Cocoa Talk would like to thank its patrons, the real sponsors of our show. So a very warm thank you and gratitude go to Al Hartman, Alan Huffman, Blair Ledoux, Brendan Donahue, Brian Joyce, Brian Weasler, Christina Armstrong, D. Bruce Moore, Davey Mitchell, Diego, Disney Saints fan, Eric Canales, Fedor Stamen, Grant Leedy, Jason Bucata, Jason Downs, Jenna Farron, Ken Reichert, Kyle Etter, Malfunct, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Richard Lorbieski, Rob Inman, Steve Bjork, Terry Steen, Terry Steggy, The Backyard Shed Gang, Tom C., and Tom S. Thank you very much, patrons. Coco Talk is an unscripted live broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own and not necessarily those of the Coco Talk show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds encourage, sense of humor recommended. If any off color comments were made, we're sorry. Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS 80 Color Baseball, and you're listening to Coco Talk. talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. It's time to drop your socks and grab your real-time clocks and let's rock. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop, cause Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world. Good morning, good afternoon, everybody. Welcome to Coco Talk, episode 146. Today, our special guest host for hour one is a man you know very well. Don't call it a comeback. He's been here for years. Ladies and gentlemen, Mr. Nick Marotta. Hello. Thank you very much for that wonderful introduction. Yeah, I'm not going anywhere. I, I have nothing better to do. So, I... can you hear? Yep. Let's make sure they can hear first. <laughs> I can can, can you hear? Me? Room, confirm that you can hear us. Terry Street says we hear. So continue on, ladies Nick. And, ladies and gentlemen, your host for guest one. Don't call it a comeback. He's been here for years. Nick Marotta. The non-mime version. Rise and shine, Woodchuck Chuckers. It's apparently Groundhog Day. Welcome to uh, Coco Talk. We're doing this again, um, and uh, I thought we'd just start at the beginning and circle through everybody and, uh, with quick intros, and then we'll come back and uh, fill in some more details. But first, hey, we have our... Space and I, because we're out here in the sun baking. <laughs> Anyways, uh, okay, so we'll start with our very quiet, demure, hardly know he's there no. guy, David Ladd. Hello, everyone. I'm so glad everybody's here today. Are you ready for a great show? I certainly am, and it's going to be a great day. It's nice and sunny in Nebraska where I'm at, and I'm sure it is in Florida. I don't know about the rest of the world, but I hope everybody's ready. Let's move Great show. Which show are you watching? Our show. (laughs) Oh, 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 okay. I wasn't, I wasn't sure you said you're waiting for a great show. I just want to verify. Oh. 
Oh, All right. Uh, already. Well, <laughs> well <laughs> welcome, David. So now. good, so good to have you, man. It's twice with David's lad. <laughs> well, you know, it was. Uh, it's worth doing. It's worth overdoing. <laughs> Next up, we have a very nice guy, chat moderator, Apple expert beyond belief, Mark Overhoser. Why, thank you. <laughs> I don't know if I'm an expert, but, you know, I've done this a bunch. So anyway, glad to be here. Glad to have you here. Next up from the land that we're not sure exists, Australia, we have our very own David O'Connor. Hello, everybody. It's good to be here again, even if I'm not hearing videos, I'm hearing pictures and sound. Eyes on the road, man. Eyes on the road. <laughs> and just to hop, skip, and a jump from David, we have our, our other resident Aussie, Nick Morentes. Good day, everyone. Ready good day. For another, another show. Good day. We really, really appreciate you and David joining us because there it's, what, like 4 a.m.? Uh, 5.39 a.m. here. Uh, yeah. Oh, okay. yeah. oh, yeah, you're in a weird half time zone. So anyway, yeah, yeah we're yeah. really glad you guys join us every week. It's a real dedication. Awesome. Uh, we really appreciate that. All right, well, next up, we can. <laughs> now we have the guy who dreamed this whole show up, and for some reason we followed him, except I think he just disappeared. It's, I think Stevie's gone. All right, we'll wait for him. Uh, Stevie's here right with me right here. Testies, oh, one, two. Testies, testies, one, two. Stevie yeah, Stonebridge, Hello, dreamer. Well, we're in the same place here, but he just lost his connection. But uh, we're right here. We're at Orlando Hamcation. Where... You're hearing from Jason the Cocoa Man, right? Hi, Mom. Right so you have Jason and Stevie doing it together. Here we go. Right. We're, go we're here at Orlando Hamcation. And, uh, well, we're in the parking lot right now because we just we just picked up a bunch of stuff. And, hey, there goes a golf cart. Um <laughs> we had uh, well i picked up a I, I just i got in the habit of started picking up big heavy items i picked up a satellite dish and then uh we went around a corner here and we saw a um i, I spotted a direct connect connect uh direct connect modem pack which um which uh right down there but i, I don't know if i want to move the phone dish. i might oh we might, a, lose, we might lose our satellite yeah. like Stevie, could you could you get that, or we maybe I don't want to I don't want to move the phone. Uh, we got to it's, it's, it's the bandwidth it's is not, really horrible here. It's clear but, where uh, you got it right now. Keep your keep your eyes in that spot and your head tilted right on angle because it's good right now. But we we spotted we spotted I spotted this direct connect modem pack. Oh, cocoa stuff. Well, oh, cocoa cool. stuff, and the guys like, do you guys cocoa stuff? Oh, are you guys serious? Yes, we're serious. Do you not see the shirts that say cocoa talk? <laughs> Um, yes, we're serious. And, uh, uh, I picked, I picked that up for like 15 bucks and, uh, picked up, uh, picked up a, a interesting item. It's a Cantronics pack and, uh, pictures, all this stuff is in the Coco talk uh, library on, uh, on discord. And, uh, but we have, uh, oh, it's a, it's a ham radio. Like it's like a ROM pack with a wire come out of it. And, uh, uh, here we go. There it is. It's a, it's got a, the fellow's a ham that we got this wow. from. And, uh, so it, it's, uh, that's cool. Yeah. The, you know, he so wanted 20 it. bucks. I got him down to 10. I'm like, I don't know what I'm going to do with this, but that's kind of a interesting color computer item. And for 10 bucks, okay. I take it for 20. I was kind of like, eh, I don't know. So, um, so that's what we did there is, is he, it's, <laughs> is it, is it, is it, I guess it's just a cereal part. 
Uh, he sure. said it was for an, it was RTTY uh, or RIDI uh, interface for the Coco. And um, oh, okay. And uh, while we were there, Stevie picked up. Uh, oh, and I, he also threw in a multi-view manual and a photocopied uh, Coco Three manual. And then Stevie picked up. Uh, he picked up a FD five hundred here. Dual drives. Hold your hold yourself, David. Easy there, hold David. Yep. <laughs> Dual drives. Dual drives. With, with controller. Although David, control, David, controller's David over there. So. Oh, David, yes. grease monkey. Oh, the yes. grease monkey. No, no grease monkey weasel. <laughs> Didn't see any grease weasel. weasel. I cannot. I can Sorry. still not find. I still need to find that <laughs> grease for the grease weasel to make it work. And of course, you got a Coco Do, Coco All Two right. here for what's the, what's the model number and serial number? What's the, what's serial the model number? number and what's the serial number? That's uh, a two six three one two seven B. Bravo, twenty two seven B. So that might be the T one. That looks like an eight, Stevie. B eight or B? I can't tell. That looks like an eight. Looks like a Bravo to me. Three one two seven A. Twenty six thirty one twenty seven Bravo. Okay, Bravo. Oh, and what's the serial That's number? Made in Korea. Serial number two one two nine six four eight. That might Bingo. be a T1. Uh, repeat, 212-9648. Bingo. <laughs> Hold your cards, Bingo, has been called. <laughs> 64K. Plug it in and press shift zero. Let's see the lowercase. So that might, so that might be a lowercase. I don't know. We'll, we'll, we'll find out. We'll have model. Hmm? It could be a T1 model. Could be a T1 model, yeah. So uh, you can verify guess, uh, that. That'll, have, three that'll have to be... Uh, That'll have to be uh, <clears throat> verified later, and you know you'll you'll just have to tune into a future episode of Coco Talk to find out. Because we'll, we'll keep everyone in suspense there. And his, his Stevie's very low key hat there. You know, it's uh, I have I have low not vi- lost him today. Oh, lovely <laughs> low visibility there, Your Majesty. Yeah. Now, usually at an event like this, you see a lot of high vis, but it's still stuck out. I've I've been very happy with that. So, uh, but yeah, no no problem finding Stevie, but. Uh, we would walk around, but the cellular coverage is really horrible. We were getting like two bars. We tried some things in earlier from inside, and we just kept dropping out. So we're out here way out in the parking lot, and it seems to be okay. But uh, when the lease stops, stop. Uh, he just jinxed it. Spoke too yeah. soon. All right. Now I believe we'll be talking to them again later in the next hour. Is that uh... Sorry. I hope so because one 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 story I wanted to talk to Stevie about that he posted about too. So, hopefully yeah, I think they're going to pop in and out. Okay, that's cool. Yeah. All right, so that was uh, that was Stevie and Jason. Uh, okay, next up we have the uh, our resident game expert who has about ninety nine percent accuracy uh, rate, as far as I'm concerned. That'd be uh, L. Curtis Boyle. Hello, everyone. Hello. How are you doing? No, not too bad. You know the one percent I'm talking about. <laughs> <laughs> but you're pretty knowledgeable. I try to be, or I make it up. One of the two. That's right. <laughs> Is it going well with you? Yeah, not too bad. Getting busy with work, so uh, my G shell stuff's kind of on the back burner again until I get a break. Oh man, someone's got to start paying you to do oh, nitrous nine stuff. I- I'm open to that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Great timing for our for our big ease of use commercials and updates today. <laughs> next up, oh, we're jumping around a little bit. Okay, next up we have Michael Furman. Hey, everybody, how's it going? How, you doing? Um, How are you? Good. Um, I want to give a, a quick, uh, a very quick update on uh, what's going on here at home. Uh, everybody has returned from Hong Kong. 
uh, my uh, my wife and my brother Good. and sister in law, and everybody's fine. So Good. Uh, that's Excellent. so they they had a little trouble with my brother and sister in law had a little trouble with some flights being canceled and had to shuffle things around, but uh, picked them up yesterday afternoon. So everybody's back here. Out or anything? What's that? Come back. Do they have to be checked out at all or anything? No. Any quarantines or anything? Nothing like that? No, no. Uh, this is, Come back without the B virus. <laughs> Hong Kong is not, uh, I think they still have like 20 or 30 confirmed cases or something like that. And the only one, uh, the only one death was somebody who got the virus who was also sick with something else. So the situation there is a lot, a lot better than uh, in and across the border in mainland China. So there's no no quarantine or anything. Just just from work. I still have one more one more week to work from home. So but hey, I'm enjoying it. Uh back to you, Nick. All right. Thank you for the update. That's really good news. We're we're happy to hear that. It's been, a, hmm. been quite a situation. All right. Uh next up we have sorry you guys are jumping around again. Next up we've got Terry Stiggy. Hi guys, how's it going? How you doing, Terry? Mr. TDP. Hey, Terry. <laughs> Long time no see. It has been. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> I we missed you. you guys. <laughs> <laughs> really good to have you here again. And, yeah, absolutely. Uh, okay. Now, next up, we have Bill Noble. Hello. Hello, hello Bill. Hello. How are you doing? Oh, pretty good. It's been a little while since I've been here. <laughs> yeah. Another Canadian. Taken over. All right, Bill. Thank you for being here. Um, I didn't do Brian yet. Did I, Brian, Music Man, Shubring? I'm here, everybody. How much of a voice did you want today? My regular voice or the voice from way down under? I'm just oh, watching your arms that? detach themselves. Yeah, that's pretty clever. You know, <laughs> I would really like the Doom voice. <laughs> Get that pitch shift. And here is the voice of doom. <laughs> and we're going to helium. <laughs> it's kind of a well, you, you're using a, a demonic okay. Alvin, a chipmunk there. I guess you're using a uh, a multi effects processor there. What, what are you using? I'm um, using. <laughs> I'll bypass that. Uh, I'm using the um, Art uh, Multiverb Three. I picked up oh, cool. uh, for a few bucks in that, and uh, using the keyboard to control the uh, some of the patches. Uh, it's all via MIDI, I guess. Is it? Or? Uh, no, it's not just by MIDI. You can uh, set it and just uh, set the set the uh, some of the settings and where you go. But uh, you got a like a whole bunch of different. Uh, 200 memories that you can uh, set up and then you can use MIDI to uh, flip to different uh, if you um, effects and different such patches. if you need to. Yeah, yeah. yeah different yeah, patches. Right, right. So I'm, I'm just having fun with it a little bit and uh, just doing stuff. To get back on track, we need to connect the Coco 2 to it and uh, use, use a MIDI pack in the Coco to control your uh, Darth Vader voice. <laughs> then we're on track. On topic. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you for being here. Uh, and last but not least, I, I, I assume you're going to talk. We have the man behind the curtain who's controlling the tech and making this look like we have some idea of what we're doing. Mr. Rob Inman. Good morning. Can you hear me, Nick? Hello, Rob. Yes, we can hear you. How are you doing? I'm super excited. As you can see, my Muppet 
avatar changed over the past year from Beaker to the uh, Sam the Eagle as oh, sounds like grumpier and more bitter. Um, <laughs> but I'm really excited about the new year. I think we're going to talk a little bit about our um, what we want for the cocoa, and yeah. I'm really excited to talk about ease of use today. And yes. actually, um, real quick, I just want to make sure we have time for Bill Noble. Uh, Curtis, were you going to talk a little? Um, OS nine with Bill in at any particular time. If were you still planning to do that today? Yeah, I mean, if 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 other segments don't go too long, we'll we'll talk about using uh, nitrous nine and the cocoa in actual business use, which Bill yeah. and I did back in the nineties okay. and early two thousands. How much time so, do you have with us, Bill? Oh, I'm here for a while. <laughs> so, okay. do you want to hold off on it, or do you want to do it? For yeah, we'll, we'll we'll do that hour two uh, during my segment. Okay. Curtis, it's Coco Talk. I haven't seen a long segment ever. No. <laughs> what were we Very talking? professionally run We'll be done show. about 2 a.m., so. Um. <laughs> okay, we're trying something different. We're trying to be somewhat professional. We'll see how that goes. Yeah. Why start now? What does that yeah. mean? <laughs> well, thank you, Rob, for handling the tech and, and the production and keeping us in line, and uh, you did a fantastic job. All right, so uh, I thought we'd go through. So that was our quick introductions. Now let's. I'd like to talk about uh, any, any uh, updates, acquisitions, anything that's happened to you in the last little while that's worth sharing. Oh, Nothing I worth have, sharing. I have my. Uh, I, I'll see if I can get my camera working here without uh, without uh, scaring everybody off. <laughs> um, <laughs> because how do I do this? How do I flip that over? Can I flip that over? Oh, you silly thing. Wait, let me flip it. Hang on. That's not good. Um, oh, come back to me. If someone else has got something, I'll see if I can get my okay. camera working. <laughs> Nick Marentes, I'm going to force your hand and just ask you how uh, Gunstar is coming along. What, what, what's the... Uh, what you're working on it with it now? Just final touches. Uh. Final touches. Yeah, it's all ready, ready to go. But there are a few extra little things I'm wanting to add in. Yeah, should be able to announce something hopefully uh, next month. Oh, excellent! Excellent. So little Tandy elves are putting them in boxes as we speak. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that thousand of them. labor. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I know we're looking forward to that. Uh, it's going to be uh, you're going to be pushing the envelope of what the Coco Three uh, can do. So it's really, really looking forward to seeing that. Uh, anybody else have anything you want to talk about? Unless David is ready. Oh, okay, Michael. Hey, I've been haven't been doing a whole lot of Coco stuff uh, the last week because I've actually been um, I've actually been a little bit uh, busy with some uh, work. But uh, one thing I have been working on is uh, I'm using an Altera DE1. Um, to learn FPGA programming and also to uh, learn the Verilog language. So uh, I think I have some cool ideas, but Which I have language? to learn Verilog. There are two. Um, I'll just hold up. I'll just hold up the board real quick so that everybody can Isn't see this what, the one used for the Cocoa what I'm talking about. Yeah. So this is the same board that you use for the Cocoa 3 FPGA. Uh-huh. Um, this particular one I have here doesn't, you know, the Coco 3 FPGA is another board that you put on top of this, but this board is designed uh, to teach people how to use the FPGA, which is this chip right here. 
uh, how and there there are two different languages you can use to uh, program this chip. Oh, okay. Um, and, and one of them is called VHDL, and the other one is called Verilog. And uh, Verilog is a little bit for somebody who already knows, uh, you know, uh, is a software engineer um, like me. You know, that's my my education is computer science. Verilog is a lot easier to learn uh, because of the structure of language. So the DE1 board, if you get it with the box and the CD, it comes with a whole bunch of uh, educational materials, including labs and tutorials, and it comes with comes with all the software you need to actually, you know, this this is designed for college courses or you know for people to actually learn the technology. So instead of just using it for a cocoa, I'm also I'm actually using it as it was designed to learn how to program the FPGA to operate, you know, all the hardware, you know, these switch I've been playing with these switches and LEDs, and these switches and LEDs here, just doing really simple stuff so far. But uh, over time I will advance. So anybody that that I, I have the boxes uh, on the shelf on the shelf up here <laughs> over my shoulder. Uh-huh. But uh, any anybody, you know, I have a whole whole stack of them up there. Anybody that has those boxes and actually has the CD, you have everything you need to do this to le- to learn this already in the package. You don't even have to download anything. Uh, although getting new- a newer version of the software would be would be useful. So I'm just using that, and this is something I've wanted to do for a number of years. And I sort of made a goal that uh, this year would be the year that I'd sit down and learn it. So all right, good stuff. Thank you, Michael. Uh, David, are you ready? David O'Connor, are you ready yet? Yeah, I got the camera working. It's uh, just using the, the, my phone camera for the time being. Um, don't know if you guys can see that. Oh, yeah, there we go. Um, don't know how clear it is on yours. I'm just looking at it on my phone. But uh, this little uh, exercise book here, I mentioned last week that um, one of the first I suppose, chaos. We don't need more chaos. Thanks. Yes. The first, yeah. <laughs> the first uh, semi-serious pro- um, program I wrote for my Coco was to try and get it to do uh, to draw fractals and, and chaos theory stuff, and so I found <laughs> this uh, exercise book, which has got my original handwritten notes um, with the program. So I'm actually going to hand type that in because I don't have it on cassette anywhere, and uh, yeah, run it again for the first time in what 35 or 40 odd years. Um, and also in a box that I'd forgotten that I had um, from a, uh, a Coco one that I purchased here locally, I have a bunch of uh, of uh, books. So nice. the op- operation wow, manual, operation the manual. One. I remember that yeah. from back in the day. Looking yeah. at that, I've acquired one since. Is it the short also, version? Yeah, it's the it's it's the uh, it's, no the the operation manual is, oh, is separate from the basic manuals. Right. It's just yeah, like I'll, an I'll, introduction, how to plug in the computer. Uh, uh, yeah. It's it's a very brief it's introduction. A quick start guide, quick start guide, basically. Yeah, and here in all its glorious <laughs> um, splendor is is yeah is the TRS eighty microcomputer news magazine with a uh, in. <laughs> Uh, a full spread front cover is the MC10 yes. sitting right underneath that magazine. Propping <laughs> up uh, the I'll, kids. I'll let anybody, uh, I'll let everybody make up their own mind about whether this is appropriate or not. Okay, now I miss Ron Delvaux. Normally he'd be here to, to. Sitting right underneath it. 
understanding computer technologies. What? Oh, man. You should drop that thing in the scanner. I remember this one. I used to have a copy of this, too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I was sitting right under the MC10. <laughs> wow. <laughs> it all makes um, so much sense now. An original newsletter from the Adelaide Microcomputer um, Users Group. Was that printed on a real dot matrix? Uh, don't. It's not. A dot, no, it's not printed on dot matrix. It's printed. Maybe it looks like it's printed on a daisy wheel. Yeah. Um. In here is uh, a part one introduction to basic. GRS eighty. That's the model. Uh, the, the model one and uh, model one. I think it was. Yeah, model one on the cover there. Um, CCR eighty one manual and CCR eighty one. Um, TRS-80 color computer system. This one, I think, has a co- I think this had a Coco 2 on it, but it was a gray case Coco 2. That's oh, yeah. I remember that pack in chess. I've got the original cattle, uh, cartridge here for it. Um, computer programming for, uh, in basic for everybody. Once again, it's a, a model uh, marketed at the model one, so it's a Z80 or Z80 if you want to pronounce it correctly for American. Um, that's a pretty big book, actually. It's got a lot of pages in it. So uh, not all altogether totally useful for the Coco because it's all Model 1 stuff, but still. Um, Zero City Microcomputer News with more uh, Model 3s, Model 4s, Model uh, Model 1s and everything on the on the front cover. And a 2. Yeah. I missed where you acquired these. Um, when I, I recently, or well, reasonably recently, bought a uh, another Coco 1. Uh, which has got another, uh, 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 what do you call it, Coco VGA in it. And this was all in the box with it. And I got okay. it for like next, I got it for next to nothing, it was like $50 for the whole lot with the computer, uh, with the with the uh, cassette deck and everything as well. It's a good haul. And a Model Worth 100. every penny. Yeah, absolutely. In perfect working order, 64K extended color basic. So, uh, so yeah, that's my little bit of uh, show and tell for the week. That's a really impressive haul. Very good. Yeah, I was pretty delighted. Oh, actually, there's two more things here too. There's the uh, fraction fever cartridge and alphabet zoo cartridge. <laughs> and there was a whole pile of cassettes in there too, cassette games and cassette educational stuff and everything as well with all sorts of programs and everything on them. So uh, That book you had with two kids in the cover, didn't somebody post an image of that recently on Facebook a couple weeks ago? It looks familiar. Uh, um, Zippo's color. That one? No, the That's one with what? the girl looking over the boy's shoulder and her looking at the screen or whatever. Like a computer news cover, I think it was. Uh, not that the one. The one with the MC10 on it. Oh, uh, I had the MC. I had, it looked familiar. Oh, uh, this anyway. one. This one. That one there. Yeah, I thought we saw something like that on Facebook and it was saying Happy Australian Kids or something. I don't know. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I did see a post about something about that, but... Uh... Yeah, yeah. I wonder if the Tier City Microcomputer News in Australia was the same as the ones we were getting here, because I think the covers look different at the very least. I don't know if the insides are any different, but well, it's got written down the bottom, registered by Australian Post, publication number down the bottom there. So it's um, that's what nineteen eighty three, four. Yeah, because by that time in eighty three, the the ones that were sold up in North America had color covers. The original ones from seventy seven on, I think, had the black and whites, but. Yeah, okay. I'm just trying to see if there's anything. That's the back cover. 
if there's anything inside that says anything about it. Uh, uh, what do we got here? Uh, I'll, have, I'll have a look through it and I'll, I'll, I'll let everybody know. Anyway, because it could be a little wild to find out what's going on here. But uh, yeah, pretty impressive haul. Lots of stuff in that in that box. So uh, very happy camper. Nice trip down memory lane. Yeah, absolutely. So that's pretty much it for my uh, news and acquisitions and updates. Yeah, seeing that red card drop back to memories of opening up the first cocoa box I ever bought with it and taking out all the manuals and inserts. And, 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 so. mm, mm. Yes, that one. This one, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I remember the excitement. Hey, yeah, yeah, yeah. How exciting it was seeing all those. Okay, yeah, and there's two versions too, because there was the uh, the Cocoa One standard basic one, which is a smaller card, and then the extended basic one, which had all the highlighted gray areas for the extended basic commands. Yeah, yeah, I this one, it. the one I got here is the extended. Where is it? Yeah, this is an extended basic one. It's got all. Tim Franklin wants to know how do you remember this stuff, Curtis? You can barely remember what we had for breakfast. <laughs> I just don't eat. That's that's. The <laughs> oh, see, maybe it's the food that's clogging up your uh, your memory. Yeah, there you go. They say if you fast, you get enlightenment and you see weird things. I've got a, I've got a purple one of those cards. I think it came with a model one, the very first one. Oh yeah. See if we can. I'll have to dig that out and I'll show it sometime. It's kind of cool. I about fell over because I'd never seen anything other than the red ones there. I don't know if you can see that, but that's the uh, that's the folded out thing of it there, extended basic. Command. Just like mine. Yeah. Backwing, it is a screwdriver. Yeah, the color basic one was smaller, didn't have as many folds. Yeah, yep, yep. That's uh, one side of it. And then look at that. the other side is oh, there's another fold there. It's, uh, folds out a long way. Excuse my dodgy camera work. I'm <laughs> hey, I'm, uh, I'm not set I, up bet, for I bet that's exactly the same as the US version. Look at the look, they spelled color wrong. Oh, that was the oh yeah. I, I've got three of these, and one of them has got C O L O U R, and it's got a white case, um, a full size white case on the front, and it says Coco Two, a color computer two, and it's C O L O U R, and it's a and it's a full size case. So uh, we were talking about that a little while ago, and, uh, and I think I, I showed it on the on Coco Talk back then. Um, it shows that they in Australia they called the full size white ones the early ones they called them a, a, a color computer two, which I think in the rest of the world they still called it a color computer one. Yeah, that's right. The sixty four K Coco one was the white one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah over here they were it was sixty four K extended color basic, but it was called it was called a, co- a color computer two. All right. Well, thank you very much for that update. Hmm. I think I saw another hand earlier when I asked if anybody had anything to talk about. Uh, was it Terry or no? Not real. I've just been working on getting ready for Cocoa Fest, my booth, um, trying to get some banners and <clears throat> got some swag stuff I'm going to give away at the uh, at the show. I hope so. Looks mm-hmm. like I get I get to sit next to uh, Curtis and Stevie, so I'm happy about that. <laughs> sorry about uh, that. That should be. I'm fun. sorry too, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 
yeah, you guys are uh, starting to get ready for uh, for Coco Fest. I've been hearing a lot of conversations in uh, Discord about tables and plans. Yeah, I think it's going to be pretty fun. Pretty fun deal. It'll be my first one, so I'm excited. Oh, good. Looking forward to seeing you. The same oh, here. Yes. yes. Now we just have to drag Nick down there. Both Nick. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I'm going to get him one of these years. <laughs> we should pull up I wouldn't list. be against the kidnapping. I mean, I, I wouldn't resist that much. I'd be like, oh, no, please stop. Uh, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> we'll just strap it to the roof and drive like mad. Well, okay, maybe. Um, <laughs> that reminds me of one of the National Lampoon's movies. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> At least she had a chair. She wasn't, like, laying down. At least they're comfortable up there. <laughs> we won't tie it to the bumper, I promise. Oh, jeez. <laughs> you could do it in winter. You could bumper shine and just, you know, drag along on the ice there like we used to do, take the bus <laughs> oh, to school. That's true. <laughs> do you have any, other updates? any other updates to anybody? Oh, sorry, Rob? Yeah, I was just going to say we, this is a good, maybe a good segue to go into what people's hopes and dreams are for the year uh, since we're talking about Cocoa Fest and yeah, and uh, new projects and stuff. Um, maybe we go around the horn. I'm, I'm all. I can start if you want. Sure. No yeah, you're in oh, control. Uh, so if I said no, you can cut me out. So yes. Yeah. Okay. I just put myself on. <laughs> I just put myself on the spot. I wonder why I did that. Um, yeah. <laughs> but um, I mean, obviously, I'm I'm very excited about getting back to you know really really pushing forward on nitrous nine use abuse and and having. Um, Beta 5 come out this year with the additional EDT support, getting more in, interested in promoting ease of use and basic 09, um, getting my setup. I, I'm actually, uh, my Cocoa setup, the way the way my desk is, is not very comfortable. And it doesn't make me want to work on my Cocoa because I, you know, I don't have it in a way that, that's um, conducive to working, you know, long hours um, um, sitting there. So, so little things like that. But, but, I'm most excited about the Gimme X. I think uh, that's, you know, that's uh, going to be a game yep. changer, right? Absolutely, literally. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so uh, you know, I don't, I don't know what other people are, are thinking of. I mean, certainly something like Downland Two and Paul, what um, um, Paul Thayer is working on, uh, Gunstar, of course, um, and uh, all the different things that Chet Simpson has been up to, including Digger Three, but also his sound. Uh, uh, all the different things he's doing with sound and um, you know, it just, it's going to be quite a year, but uh, I'll, I'll uh, turn it back over to the rest of the panel maybe to talk about that. Yeah. Basically we're looking to talk about, you know, what dreams, what dreams do you have for the, for your cocoa world this year, whether it's personal, you know, things you want to get yourself, things you want to do yourself or whether it's things you'd like to see happen in the community, uh, development of hardware, software, any type of anything. What what would what would you like to see happen in the cocoa community, in the cocoa world for the next little while? I'm redesigning my entire studio at the moment, redoing all the synthesizers and all the music stuff, and I'm deliberately um, one of the reasons I'm doing that is so I can set all my cocos up and have them more connected to the synthesizers to be more productive with this album that I've been telling everybody about that I've sort of stagnated on. Cocoa um, music. Sort of, yeah, I really want to get inspired, you know, get back into it and get it get it finished. So. Uh, I thought the only way I'm going to do this properly is to pull the plug and, and tip the studio upside down and redo it to make it uh, more productive. So uh, 
There's two Coco 3s here that are going to be set up in there and they'll have gimme Xs in them when they come out. That's that's the big thing I'm looking forward to, um, as Rob said, is the uh, is the gimme X. Yes, that's going to be a that's going to be a real game changer. I'm sorry if using that overused expression, but it will actually uh, it's a big deal. Cool. I believe I said it would be a game changer first before you did, Nick. Yeah, so uh, game changer be... copyright Nick Murata. That's right. That's right. You're much more battery friendly for my place too. Running solar panels and batteries here. I'm. You know, at the moment, I'm running CRT monitors with my Coco 3s, but um, I'll, I'll be able to run LCDs. And um, the nice thing is it should be an easy upgrade, right? It's all socketed, so it's a matter of yeah. unplugging and plugging yeah. in. Theoretically, yeah. Because I know the holdup for yes, me. I can, I can confirm ahead. that since uh, since we displayed a uh, demo unit at uh, VCF West last, last year. Just get your PLCC puller, take the gimme out, plug it in, Connect up the v- the cable VGA done. See, yeah, as, a, as yep. a hardware yeah. neophyte, that makes me very happy to hear because that's been a that's a, the one thing that's holding me back with the sixty three hundred nine right now is the so, is the solder, desoldering and all that jazz. But uh, the Gimme X, I'm really looking forward to. There must be a lot of things, Nick, then to get the get your six zero nine installed. It's going to happen. I have somebody here who's going to help me out. Okay. But uh, I'm excited that I can do the Gimme X myself, probably. I don't know, Curtis, are you going to do your own, or, or, or is it still... Uh, My own what? Give me X. You're, oh, yeah, you're, that's easy enough. There's no you soldering. You like hardware as much as I do. Yeah. No, I'm plugging the gimme I've done before, so that's that's not too hard. Okay. Good. That makes me feel better. <laughs> of course, uh, Mark has the, was holding up the proper tool, the actual puller oh, tool. There we go. Those yep. things So you need one of those to bucks. get the gimme out? Yeah? You need one of those? To do it safely and correctly, yeah, you You can jury rig it with some fine jeweler screwdrivers, but you have to be yeah. really careful about not bending it's pins. It's a big square chip, right? This is the way to make do it properly. Yeah, okay. Yeah, the, the, the jeweler screwdriver thing is a last resort. It's, no. you can't like, yeah, it's it's possible. I have done it that also, way, but yeah, it's much easier with the puller. I'd rather well, yeah, not, yep, yep, and safer. If I can avoid it just in case. Yeah, if using the jeweler uh, screwdrivers is really not recommended because I've seen people actually break the socket yeah. using yeah, the screwdrivers, and then you're oh. you're really screwed because then you've broken the socket that the gimme oh, goes geez. in. You have yeah, to yeah. People, people make the mistake of levering the, uh, the, 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 the chip against the edge of the socket, and the, the corners of them are very thin, and if you put any pressure on the corners, it will snap really easily. And if it snaps, there goes, you know, yeah, but the yeah, polar yep. does when you squeeze on it, it forces the pressure down against the socket and pulls up on the chip. Oh, yeah. As valuable. I think Mike mentioned, you would use that that method using the screwdriver thing as an absolute last resort if you absolutely just don't have a puller and you have to get it out. But yeah, definitely get the puller. Yeah. It's not expensive anyway. So yeah, it doesn't come out easily. And I I happen to get a Radio Shack branded IC puller on um, Amazon, so works uh-huh. like a charm. Oh, nice. Yeah, I was going to ask if they were on Amazon. So there you go. We're all chomping to bit, ready to pull our gimmies out. We're just waiting for the gimme X to come out. So hopefully that'll be uh, any day now. Be any, any, yes. I noticed uh, Terry Steen in the chat just said, still hope software is not made for much more specific hardware that's not common, but just basically worrying that everybody's going to be just you know hyped on the new stuff and not write software for the old stuff. Um, but I mean, the Coco VGA as, as a base thing is just able to hook up to VGA monitor. I mean, that's 
you know, one of its main purposes, and that doesn't actually change software. It's when they start people start using all these new graphics and text modes, which I mean, I'll be one of the ones supporting, but yeah, I'm still planning on doing software that doesn't require all this new hardware. Yeah, but, but other, I'm planning on doing some software to support it too as well. I'm, you know, otherwise, yeah. nobody's going to buy it, right? That's always yeah. a good point. I mean, Nick Marentes brings that, that up, of course, uh, very often. Um, I think that hopefully there'll be a way that um, uh, people can support both modes where they can, if you have a Gimme X, you can select the higher graphics mode, but they'll also support um, the standard Cocoa 3 modes so that nobody's left out. Don't forget, too, there's always the option if there's a game that comes up you want to play and you don't have the hardware, they're the emulators. So you can still support games. Well, yeah, GameX is not in, it's not supported in emulation yet. No, 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 I, I'm not talking about the GameX stuff. I'm talking just about, you know, like, pop, like games that you see. But like Gunstar 9 or something, yeah. Six to 309 and yeah. 2 megs, yeah. So there's still ways to uh, enjoy those. I mean, hardware, of course, if you have it, it's nice. Yeah, I mean, on the opposite scale, you don't want to limit yourself too. like if you can do a program that requires one of these and you're actually going to use all the power of, say, you know, the three megahertz upgrade in the uh, Gimme X as well as the new modes. I mean, why would you buy it if you're not going to use those modes, too? You have to kind of balance it. You have to do both. Yeah, Yeah, I'm I'm, I'm doing exactly that with my uh, step sequences and computer. You know, Coco's controlling the, the synthesizers and the music and all that. Some of it doesn't require anything fancy. You know, I can use just standard, you know, everyday um, extended color basic without any fancy graphics modes. And then there's other things that I'm doing, like um, like printing um, musical staves or staffs on the screen with moving notes and everything. And I'm using custom fonts and everything in the in the Coco VGA. So. Yeah, but I'm I'm not really writing anything for for anybody else unless they want to try it. I'll I'll stick I'll stick the programs up on my website. People can play around with it if they want to. But um, my primary use for it is is my own use, really. So I'm I'm writing things that I that I need, some practical things. So uh, yeah, it's it's a bit of both here for me. Yeah, I mean, I, as I'm sure Nick and Rob can attest, and the Amigos have mentioned a few times on their Amiga show, is that the Amiga went through this because there were so many different versions with different levels of hardware, different CPUs, different graphics, you know, everything else. And you you know, you hit some game that only works on the latest one or requires the Vampire upgrade or something like that, and you get other people trying to run stuff on the original 500s and 600s, and it can get a, to be a bit of a mess. We had a little bit of that in the Cocoa world with the Cocoa 1, 2 versus the Cocoa 3, but at least it was a nice clean split. And it was mostly backwards compatible, so at least mm. you could run the old Coco One Two stuff on the Coco Three for the most part. Mm. Yeah, so um, I've been doing a little bit of work on uh, DW Term, and uh, it already does support uh, everything down from, I think, was it a sixteen K or a thirty two K Coco? I don't remember exactly. I have to check on that. Um, all the way up to Coco Three. And I was going to add a uh, Cocoa VGA support to that. So, you know, whatever, whatever uh, hardware you have, that piece of software will support because it's just kind of writing text to the screen and, and uh, communicating over driveway. So, yeah, well, I know it's, Bill it's, and I, it's um, quite a bit different than, than if you have uh, a game, you know, a game that needs certain CPU or graphics capabilities. Yeah, I know Bill and I are planning a Nitrous 9 once the Gimme X is out. Like the first thing we'll be supporting is the higher text modes. So if you're doing editing, you know, basic 9 code or assembly or C code on the Cocoa itself, you'll have this extra screen real estate, you know, an 80 by 50 screen or something like that. And I know Bill's already running that on the Mister. Or no, which one do you have? Matchbox. 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 There's so many of these Cocoa FPJs now, I'm losing track. But uh, he's already been using that and kind of showed me what it looks like. So we'll be supporting that in, in Nitrous 9. That'll be one of the first things we support for the Cocoa VJ once it's released. 
That'll look really nice on a VGA monitor too. Yeah. Oh, it does. <laughs> Trust me, Dave, it mm. does. <laughs> mm. No, a Coco VGA higher text modes for on the Coco 1 look great. So I can only imagine what they're going to look like on a Coco 3. Yeah, the 64 by 32 I've used on my Coco VGA is quite nice. And Nitrous 9 level 1 already supports that. So that's also out of the gate. If you get one of those, you've got some support for the higher modes. I think it actually looks better than the Coco 3 at 80 column mode because uh, the, yeah. the font... The font is seems a little like thin on the Coco yeah. three. The, the the original hardware font. Agreed. Yeah, yeah. and while well, the Matchbox has the option to go to the IBM look. Yeah, thicker fonts is much easier to read. Yeah. yeah, and the thing I'm I was always when I first got my f- first VGA card and my paper white VGA back in the nineties. Um, I immediately was pushing 132 by 43 because um, I loved the large text real estate. So I'm going to love that from the Gimme X myself. Mm. All you need now, David, really? is a, a live flux display, you know, a flux stuff on your floppy drives there, just live display of the heads going over and reading stuff. <laughs> oh, are you kidding? I'm actually planning on doing Jim's thing with trying to hook up seven floppy drives to the cocoa. Oh, what, what did I start? Sorry, guys. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I said it shouldn't be done. You had to do that, Curtis. David's drunk with power. <laughs> He's been drinking the grease, grease weasels. <laughs> so I've seen uh-huh. mentioned in chat real time clock, which would be useful for OS 9. Yeah, rather than having to type it in. I mean, he was kind of joking about Y2K ready. Yeah. Nitrous 9 itself is Y2K ready as is. Even the software <laughs> oh, clock good. is Y2K. But uh, yeah, is having a real-time tw- clock is much more convenient. Are there any data issues with OS 9, like 2038 or anything like that? Like No, I think with the current drivers we've got going up to 2155, and we should all be dead by then. So Okay. <laughs> Someone else's <laughs> problem by then. Yeah. <laughs> so end of uh, ease of use will be end of life in twenty one fifty five. Yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> nah, it'd be a quick hack to get it for the next two hundred fifty six years, so it'd be fine. <laughs> hey, two hundred fifty six years. I'd like to see us settle on some sound solution that is actually preferably something that's reusable between software titles, like a ROM pack, and is just uh, make a make a mini MPI. Yeah, something or you know, like something like the old speech sound pack, but that's actually you know, which actually was okay yeah. for music. I mean, but you can't you can't use samples pieces. with the Mega Mini, which is Nick Morentes's uh, beef. Oh, good point. So you can't yeah. use the you can't use the DAC at the same time as the Mega Mini uh, OPL chip. Yeah, good point. Yeah, yeah, it's FM, not sample based. So I'm guessing that you're, getting re- you're getting requests for Crockstar Pilot. Uh, <laughs> Crockstar pilot, did you say? Yeah. <laughs> Crikey! I, <laughs> tribute. <laughs> so I didn't mean to step on who I just stepped on. I just thought it was funny. <laughs> Crockstar pilot, I love it. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> yeah, so I guess I can go next. I mean, my my thing. Well, one is to get ease of use beta five out before the fast. That's that's one thing I do want to do. And unfortunately, due to personal circumstances and now work, I've I've just not been able to work on as much as I would like. Um, as I mentioned, I think last week or the week before, we did finally get that new system call working. I just have to get into G shell and 
get it to preserve stuff from the windows. And I haven't been able to touch that since last week. Um, the other things I'm looking forward to give me X, obviously, uh, cause it'll make editing stuff on the Coco a lot easier with new large text screens. Like, like has been mentioned by others. Uh, I'm going to be getting a mega mini MPI cause I do want to try to see if I can put some support for the sound chip in there. Obviously it won't do digital samples, but just having some background music, et cetera, would be nice. Um, I've sent a design to Ed Snyder for an OS nine based keyboard that is also fine with uh, RS DOS disk basic stuff. So it's got some extra stuff on the keycaps to show some of the, the special characters you can generate. And he's actually sent me a picture of one that he laser etched as a test. So I'm going to be ordering two of those for the Coco threes. Also big thanks to Bill Noble who's fixed my main development Coco three, which, uh, what is it? The salt chip went and a capacitor or something. Bill, I can't remember. Uh, the salt chip and the capacitors and also the, the main five volt voltage regulator. Probably yeah, so it, it was working fine until one day I turned it on. All of a sudden, the cassette relay just started going bonkers, like just and no screen. It's probably so, the the capacitors that caused the other components to die. Capacitors yeah. can do that. Oh yeah, for sure, especially David. If, that's especially if they go leaky. But thanks, thanks to to Bill figuring out what was wrong and, and replacing stuff, and thanks to Mark Overholzer who actually had salt chips because Bill didn't have any spares. Um, it, it sounds like it's working. Well, I so I'm planning find actually. Any. Yeah, I'm actually planning to stop by Bill's place later this evening to pick it up so I can actually get it back up and running for testing and stuff too. So uh, easy to use beta five. I've got a ton of stuff already in the works for beta six too. We've kind of feature froze what beta five is going to be. G shells the last main thing. I didn't get everything in there. And this happens every time where I don't get everything in there I want, but I've got a list pages long of stuff to keep adding. Um, I'm going to be working with Floyd Resler and trying to get some of his games like Gem Quest and Dungeon Depths. Uh, working under ease of use as well. Um, GemQuest is almost working right now, but it's 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 some of the graphics are offset for some reason. I don't know if a battle file got corrupted or what. And we might have to slow it down. Um, I also have to take the uh, the. Uh, I think I mentioned this last week too, but we have to take out the uh, second mouse button being your window forward because the game actually uses both mouse buttons for two different things. And as soon as you hit it right now in the current ease of use or the current I just nine three point three release. You hit the second button to, uh, I think it's to throw a little lasso rope or something like that. And instead, it just switches to the next window and you, then you get killed in the game because you have to go back to the window first. So we'll be disabling that. Um, I also want to, and, and uh, Bill, maybe you can give me an update on that, on the LED on the Boomerang E2 board. Because um, there's that option where you can program the color of the LED lights. Yes. And I'm planning not on beta 5, but on beta 6, we'll be supporting that for doing caps lock and keyboard mouse lock per window. So if you switch windows with the clear key and if you have the caps lock on it, it might light up, you know, red. And if it's, you know, the, the uh, keyboard mouse is turned on and G shell, it might be blue or something. And then a combo color of both are turned on. I haven't that those aren't the official colors. I'm just throwing those out there, but basically you'll be able to tell at a glance on that led exactly what situation each window's in. You just reminded me of something then Curtis, I, I think I might've actually brought it up before and I can't remember the answer, but um, is it possible to, uh, access turning on and off and changing the colors of those LEDs with poke staples. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Oh, it is. Oh, excellent. Excellent. So I can yeah. Really I'm, I'm, we're actually going to set it up so that the, the main driver that handles the clear key for switching windows will set the lights for each window when you clear to it, but the individual program on that screen can then reprogram them to whatever they want. So if, if your program doesn't need to worry about you know, whether the key, the caps locks on or the, the uh, keyboard mouse is on, you can actually program it to do whatever else. If you want to like a status light for a space adventure game, you know, red alert oh, uh, blinks or whatever. But as soon as you yeah, clear actually, off that, the, the operating system will take it back over and then set it up for that next window. So you yeah, can actually cool. have it individually programmed for the app you're doing on one window, or you can just leave it for the, 
know, the various settings for the windows themselves. So I could access that via regular um, extended color basic um, pokes yep. as well. Yeah. Or basic yep. 09, yeah. Yeah, okay. Cause, yeah, we'll probably be adding official set stat calls too so that you can actually set the lights, you know, through a program without actually having to do pokes. Yeah. Um, I actually and, want to use it as a as a visual indication for um, for uh, sequencer pulses sending out to my synthesizers. Look, I think that will look really cool. <laughs> Having that uh, pulsing in time to the music. Yeah, there's a, there's a bunch of things you can do with it. I mean, the fact you have the different colors, like I said, if you want to say make a Star Trek game or something like that, and it has a red alert, yellow alert, you know, program it to pulse with whatever color alert you're on. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And the nice yeah, thing cool. about it too is that Richard actually set up the that board to actually have so you can have individual LEDs instead of all combined into one. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's a it's a multicolor LED with multiple pins on it or something, isn't it? Or is it? Yes. Or am I just yeah, yeah. We're coming close to the end of the segment. I just want to make sure if anybody else wanted to uh, say something. There yeah. you go, Michael. Yeah, I haven't haven't uh, said much. Uh, I hope to uh, continue spreading the DriveWire love because there's a lot of hate for it here on on Coco Talk, or hate or don't care. Um, I'm definitely going to continue development on uh, Pi DriveWire, and because uh, you know many people are starting to complain that they can't run the Java one anymore, and you know Pi DriveWire is currently the only DriveWire server that's still in active development right now. So I do plan to to continue that. Uh, have a lot of... Uh, have, I think I have what's going to be a really cool feature coming up that I'm still, I'm still working on designing. Um, I think it will make some things about using DriveWire a lot easier. Um, so, um, you know, I, I, plan, I plan to sort of uh, pre... You know, this feature is not going to be ready probably until the end of the year, but I plan to sort of uh, get the the design out by about the Cocoa Fest time, and I'll probably uh, probably have a little presentation about that at on, uh, at my booth at Cocoa Fest. So, okay, Mike, um, we have Rick Adams saying, "What DriveWire is awesome." We have El Harp saying, "I love for people, DriveWire." For people that use it, it's such a big productivity uh, enhancement because. You know, you don't have to shuffle SD cards back and forth, and so. Um, oh, yeah, and the Coco SDC supports it. That's correct. Coco SDC does support it, and it works yep. pretty well. But I'm going to have and, to try it out. I've, I still haven't tried it yeah. yet. I've, I've been meaning to try it, but I've never got around to it. Yeah, I know I'm Nick Brandy uses it a lot. So I use as, it as well as Rick. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, to be honest, I, I I'm not down on it at all. I hope that you don't think that I'm one of the. People oh no, Curtis, I completely <laughs> I completely understand. Despair. I completely understand, Curtis, what you're doing with uh, with uh, ease of use, and uh, you know I I completely understand that you have to uh, restrict you know restrict the things that are going into it uh, yeah. so that you can concentrate and get get things done. You know I I know I know that you're not against it, so I'm I'm not. And I do want to mention that the plan is right now uh, it won't be in beta five, but in beta six I do want to put DriveWire officially in it and and bill actually has a driveware system set up so you can test it i don't because yeah. my coco is physically too far away unless i got some wireless thing going well, on but we can it's uh, actually running we can on you, we can da- between david and myself we can we can figure out how to set you up with some with some uh, wireless stuff um, um mikey um as far as uh curtis goes he's um him and bill have my prototype um ESP01 modules yeah. 
that uh, I sent with Curtis home. So yeah, which I actually have here in my hand right now. It's just I gotta dig up the documents again on getting the actual firmware burnt on the yep. ESP ones. I need to do that yep. myself. Okay, guys, we're gonna oh, have to yeah. wrap up this segment. I, uh, for- <laughs> thanks for thanks for letting us have our DriveWire RS two thirty two TTL <laughs> ESP partner oh, of the show. Yeah. So thank no, you. So, Actually, oh no, it's important. There's <laughs> good tech stuff happening, and yeah. I'm, I'm I have one audience, quick I question. Love that, so. Ahead, I have man. one quick drive wire question. Well, uh, just quickly, uh, in a sentence or two, what's the difference with the Pi drive or Pi, whatever you call it, uh, compared to the normal drive wire? So, uh, Pi drive layer is still in sort of middle development. Um, it uh, is a, com- it's a, I'm going to call it a 95% clean, ro- clean room implementation of the drive wire protocol. Um, it it does not currently support all of the features that are in the Java server, um, but the plan is uh, at a 1.0 stage. When I finally reach reach 1.0, um, I'm going to call 1.0 when PyDriveWire has all the features that exist in the Java server. That's when I'm at, are in PyDriveWire. Um, it's going it's going to be 1.0, and uh, it's completely written in Python. And that's the um, difference. And I read, Python, not Java. Right. Uh, it's completely written in 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 Python, and um, you know I am reading as trying to use as little bit as little of the Java code as possible, but there the documentation is kind of sparse in some places. So I do have occasionally have to read some of the Java code to to figure out figure out what's going on. So why are people saying they can't run Java? Like you can still install Java on your system. Right? Yeah, but but the, there's there's some the issue with Java is you know the megacorp called Oracle Corporation uh, actually owns the license to Java, yeah. and what they have done is Sun had a, a Sun Microsystems sort of had an open license for Java. They sort of wanted to wanted to build a community around it. Yeah. Versus Oracle, the megacorp is has totally turned that off and they want to commercialize it. So they're moving Oracle Corporation is moving forward with Java in the direction that they want to do, but they're doing it in a you know more product style rather than rather than open style. Like and they don't give they only mm. care about the corporate customers. There's a lot of yeah. lot of code that's written in Java that probably runs, you know, all kinds of backend systems, like you know, yeah. there's probably Java in in banking and and travel Android. and you know, all, you know, control systems, all kinds of things. Right? Android that stuff isn't Java. going away. Caused, so yes, you can still you can still install and run Java on the modern operating systems, but the problem is they're kind of leaving some of the older technologies, which uh, uh, the Java DriveWire server is based on on some older older technologies like a uh, Swing. It is probably the main library. It's a swing. It's called uh, SWT. That library may not yeah. actually be supported in in the newer versions of Java because oh, that's, wow. a, that's a really old technology. The second problem is the serial port library. Um, I don't know if it's pos- It's called the RXTX. I don't know if you can install that one on the current current version of Java. So these are all uh, really these uh, three things are really big dings against the continuation of the of the of the Java server. Right. Um, so if that, if that ends, then you'll still, have to. 
So you'll have to rewrite everything in a different language then. If, if, mm-hmm. if well, Java's that's not. essentially what PyDriveWare is. It's it's slowly getting everything is slowly getting uh, getting rewritten in Python. And so, does that run um, faster? Because I noticed on my uh, uh, Java DriveWire server it works, but if I have too many things running on my desktop, I get errors on DriveWire. It, it is, feels as if my DriveWire is is the server is running a bit slow. So will the Python one be faster? Uh, I, I don't. I don't really. I don't really think that's uh, that's going to change. And uh, oh. even with even with the Python server, uh, Python is at a little bit of a disadvantage uh, compared to compared to Java uh, by the way that the uh, compilers work. Um, but uh, there are some there are some tricks around that. Um, one of oh. them is actually going to Python three. Which is faster, a lot uh, supposed to be quite a bit faster than Python too, but you know, I, I think I think probably Python's lighter weight than Java is. So it, it, it is, it is, oh, it's it totally is lighter paradigm. weight. Yeah, it's a completely different programming language. It's not, a, it's a scripting language more than a programming. Language. Yeah. What about something like Eel? It is Eel. I, I don't know much about Eel, but I know that it it can do some pretty amazing things in Reaper. Um, it's a scripting I, language, um, Reaper audio software that I use. Um, I don't have no idea what you're actually talking about. Double <laughs> oh, E-L. It's, it's called E-L. It's a scripting oh, language. E-L. Okay. Uh, yeah. I vaguely saw something about that, I think, on Hacker News. Well, mm. it would need to be mm. rewritten again, and we already have, uh, you know, uh, yeah, you're a, far a, enough a very functional and Python, stable, yeah. you know. <laughs> yeah. it, it's for, If you're just doing regular disk drive access, it's very, very stable. And the, yeah, ser- okay. the serial port access is... Um, I've re- the original version is not that is okay, but I, I've uh, re- rewritten it um, to be uh, quite a bit uh, quite a bit better. That that upgraded version hasn't been hasn't been released yet, but uh, I I can take okay. a look. But well, that was about one one or two sentences. We're now a couple we're now a couple minutes a uh, couple minutes late for the break, but uh you know yeah. I, I, I wanted we're, to we're I wanted to give a fairly here. complete wanted to give a fairly complete overview yeah. of, of the situation so so that you guys <laughs> understand that you know what's what's going on with Java and you know that's okay, right. Mikey. I'll take Rob yelling at me for for on your behalf. That's okay, no problem. All right, Rob, <laughs> no, you, you can, he won't. You can. No, no, he's, he, it's interesting. It's good to. Yeah, no, no, it's great. I, I was just gonna say that I, I was I'm committed to um, to installing DriveWire this year and fi- finishing um, the, my Windows install of it, and I'm excited to see that it's coming to EOU in beta six. So. Yep. And then later on, I don't know if it'll make it for beta six or not, but Bill and I are planning on, on redoing the Cocoa side of the drive wire thing so that it will support the level three memory model as well, which it currently yeah. is. Not. Yeah. Um all, all I know is every time I've tried to put drive tried to put the drive wire modules in, in EOU um using quick gen, it like doesn't boot. And I've reached out to both both Bill and, and Curtis about that and I'm sure you guys will figure, yeah. figure well, out what's going gen- on has an issue with large hard drives. Ah. Uh, cool. Especially and when it's doing the kernel track. Yeah, I'm having problems on the main OS9 boot. I have had problems with the kernel track. Which is why I'm actually doing a boot editor. Mm-hmm. So, um, as far as the quick gen, Mikey, um, it does work because that's one of the things that I've done for a couple people that have wanted 
the ease of use with certain drive wire features added back in. So um, it does work because that's what I've used. But yeah, it, when it says copy the boot track, you do not want to use that feature with Quick Gen. Or uh, yeah, Quick Gen because yeah, use KUtil for that. It'll work a lot better. Um, because all right, guys, we can we can have we can have this discussion on, uh, on Discord, Discord later. I think we should return. <laughs> no, 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 no. So the uh, the issue with the subject. I don't know. I, I think we have to. David, so wrap it up. What's your last word on just on Drivewire? Oh well, this is just with quick gen and floppies in general. So floppies. <laughs> and the way he goes, land in general. Uh, okay, I'm 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 done. All right. All right. I, that wraps it up, I guess, for the first hour segment. Thank you to to uh, panelists and thank you everybody in chat. And we're gonna take a break. And, Great. Uh, come back real soon with the hour number two well thank you for the warm oh, handoff uh, nick Moroda. so we'll take we'll take a commercial we'll come back i see john strong has joined and if john we'll come back after the commercial talk to you for a few minutes see what's going on with you and then um we'll do we'll premiere a brand new ease of use commercial um, and then we'll talk. Uh, maybe we'll talk to uh, Curtis and uh, Bill Noble about what they uh, some of their OS nine uh, adventures. And if if Stevie joins with more Ham Ham Nation than um, or Ham Cation, uh, we'll uh, talk to him as well. So uh, we'll be right back after these messages. Hello, this is Grant Leedy with Coco Talk. Got your Coco three yet? From the makers of the Switcheroo. Wallaby Cable. Color Computer 3 Dual RGB Cable. Get yours today at Cocoman.biz. Fletcher, I don't need that report tomorrow. Great, JT. I need it tonight. But, JT... Fletcher saved $300 on her office away from the office. Radio Shack's revolutionary Model 100 computer. It's a word processor, phone directory, and dialer. It even communicates with the office computer. Fletcher, how's that report? Fletcher. Radio Shack's Model 100. Save $300 and put it to work. You'll go far, Fletcher. <laughs> You'll go far. We now return you to Coco Talk. And, uh, welcome back to Hour 2. Um, need to update that uh, banner there. And John Strong, you out there? You want to uh, let us know what you got going on? Oh, yeah, I'm out here. Just uh, been busy today. Uh, just uh, been working on some Coco things this week. And... Uh, that's about it. Just stopping and checking by. Nothing I'm uh, going to reveal yet. I am doing some game development. I need the welcome back cutter theme. Welcome back. <laughs> yeah. So, is this a game you're planning on having ready for the fest, or or is that still up in the air as far as timing? Uh, that is up in the air. For, yeah, I'm hoping to have something ready for the fest. 
but I have about three projects uh, going. I'm jumping back and forth between. Yes, yeah, that's a common problem. I've noticed a lot of us have multiple projects. Going. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Plus, plus work decided to uh, make sure that they're, I'm earning my money. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's where I'm at right now, too. Yeah. So. Okay, well, uh, chime in if you have any other um, uh, updates or, or uh, comments. Uh, John, I think we're going to take a quick uh, premiere here of a new commercial for uh, Ease of Use. And then, uh, Curtis, maybe we'll, maybe we'll talk to you and Bill about uh, how, how, what it was like running OS9 in a business environment and how you got started doing that. Sound good? Is it possible? Is it, uh, can we get sound on Zoom for the commercial so we can hear it? Or is uh, it- I thought I was sharing that, but thank you for... Oh, I apologies. I guess I wasn't. Um, thank you for mentioning that, David. <laughs> so you got the rest of the panel should, should be able to hear the commercials now. And uh, we'll be right back after the premiere of Ease of Use Just Hit Clear. Here we go. A whole new approach. Faster than ever. A window to a world of possibilities. Clear your expectations. Clear your hesitation. Just hit clear. Oh, I cut off the end. <clears throat> it says download today from lcurtisboyle.com. Well, you just blew $500,000 for that 30-second spot. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad that came out of Rob's budget, not mine. <laughs> this is uh, episode 146, the Super Bowl edition. Yeah. <laughs> <Coco>. <laughs> yeah, I did have something interesting to say. I was just on a new project at work, and was talking to the guy, uh, kind of letting him know what kind of things I did, and to get him to feel comfortable with working with me. And I said, I used to write games for a 10 day color computer. So really I had one of the Cocos. <laughs> I'm going to have to check my mom. See she still has it in the garage or someplace. <laughs> no, nice. that'd be cool if they can rejoin the community. Yeah. Yeah. You know, we'll, we'll see. Uh, we'll, we'll find out. You know, I'm sure he'll let me know if he has, ha- still has one. Is that your boss, did you say? No, he's not, not my boss. It's the uh, project manager on a new account that I'm on. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, work, just, work, work colleague, basically. Yeah, they, they're kind of – the project managers kind of manage that particular project and, and assignments. So I do kind of report to them, but I have a supervisor that's directly over me. Okay. It'd be pretty, be pretty cool to have a uh, a work colleague in the uh, Coco community. Yeah, um, 
I've had some people before that did, but wasn't using it in the community. And, and, uh, some of the other guys that I worked with for a few years that, uh, uh, we were at IBM together, and then uh, another one is, is definitely interested in the retro community. And I think they've got the uh, – I don't really think what I do is cool. kind of helps. <laughs> nice if somebody pats you on the back once in a while. Yeah, yeah for glad, sure. Glad, John, you're, you're lucky because most of the people I work with are too, too young to even know computers before PCs, almost, uh, you know, almost iPads or iPhones, you know? So, yeah, um, it's like, they're like, you know, I asked around, you know, does anybody, anybody do anything with retro computers? And they're like, what's that? You know, like Apple two Commodore, you mean like Apple Mac? I'm like, Oh God. <laughs> uh, you mean like Pentiums? Windows XP? <laughs> yeah. You know, if you hand them a Dow phone, I wouldn't know what to do. Right. <laughs> Yeah. So yeah, but uh, yeah, that was that was kind of interesting to do, to hear from. And, the quad core sixty three oh nine. Yeah. Cool. Well, uh, I think I think Nick Marentis of all people suggested the other night to me on Discord that um, why don't we talk more about OS nine. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's actually, yeah, I've, I've, I've heard this story before, and it's it's actually very interesting. <laughs> well, I thought from, Nick was going to say he just wanted to have a nap, and this was a nice, convenient way for him to get about an hour <laughs> to have one. Crikey, you just burst his bubble! But yeah, but this is an interesting story to hear OS nine in a real, uh, real application, uh, and uh, hearing how Curtis and um, Bill how they. I guess got into OS nine and how they converted their worker environment, well, where they worked at the time, to switch over to using a Cocoa and uh, running OS nine to replace a PC. Uh, and it was uh, yeah, it's it's a good story. So coming from someone like me, that's got to be a good. Re- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah, we're, so, we're, we're doing a you know ping on this. This uh, thing to verify that is actually you, Dick. Well, I can I can understand everything he's saying perfectly in, in fluent Australian, so I, I can vouch that he's the original <laughs> real deal. <laughs> uh, but actually, no. originally. We, it, the Coco actually replaced the PDP 11. PDP 11. Yeah. I knew it replaced something I couldn't remember. <laughs> yeah. yeah, we use PCs uh, for terminals, is what we use PCs for. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's all yeah. they're good for. <laughs> <laughs> so, hey, uh, Bill, hey, you know. Bill, do you want me to kind of start since I, I was there at first? And, yeah, and you first were there my first, and, so. and then you came in, like we hired you actually to help with yeah. some of the Cocoa stuff. So, Have you got the photos as well that you showed me last time, uh, Curtis? I've got one photo, which I'll, I'll get to in a little bit. Yeah, kind of no worries. Scenario. Right. All right. So I started with a, a company called McKenzie Ray Tickets in May of 1988. And uh, we printed sporting tickets and event tickets and all kinds of stuff. And they had line printers, like big ones, you know, that printed 300 lines per minute type thing. And they had a P2P 1134 and um, they hired me to have somebody who could locally program it. And it was running an, an OS called RSTS. It was a real time, time switching thingy. 
and they had a nice basic on it. So we programmed everything in basic because it was just quick. We, basically, we were rapid application development. You didn't take a lot of time to write stuff in C or anything fancy. You had to write code like, you know, to run in an hour, not a day's way. So uh, even through the Coco's life, we did most of the stuff in basic. Uh, basic nine in that case. <clears throat> but anyway, uh, they hired me on to do some programming for this because up until that point, they had a guy in Winnipeg where Bruce Moore's from that had another PDP set up in his basement and Bill can get into what fun it is running a PDP at home. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, basically they would send him the specs for a job by fax and then he would program it and then send a nine track tape, you know, those big real to real tapes that you'd see on the movies. And he'd send that over by courier to load up on the PDP and uh, then run the software. And I got hired to do some of the programming on that. So for about a year, I did that. And then the PDP had one of its circuit boards blow up. <coughs> and even by 1989, it was getting hard to get replacement boards. So we were basically down for about a week to wait for this board. And we had tons of work and we were in rush season. And they said, well, we have to get these printers running. What are we going to do? And I had my Cocoa 3 at home and I had OS 9 level 2, which I kind of knew could do some multitasking. And I had a super controller too. So it was a no-hold floppy from Disto. I had three in one board in it. So I had a real parallel port in it as well. And uh, I also had the PBH uh, interface. You plug it in the Bitbanger and it would give you a serial to parallel. So we had two printers at the time. Uh, so I actually brought my Coco in in a hurry, uh, set it up. I hooked up one printer to the serial port to, con- to parallel converter, hooked the other one up to the parallel port that's on the Disto. That's where I discovered real parallel ports run a lot faster. <laughs> but then I had to quickly reprogram the jobs we were doing under basic nine, which I had been fiddling with at home, but wasn't super familiar with. And then that's when I discovered the power of the multitask because I'd run basic nine for one job on one window and clear over to another window tying into Rob's ad. And then I'd write a second basic nine program while that one's running printers. Cause these printers were running stacks of uh, paper, like, you know, a foot high. So it would take like a good 30 to 40 minutes to run through. And I could be programming in the other window and setting up the next job, which is completely different. And then start the second printer, and then you just would swap back and forth. <coughs> so it worked really well. And uh, the PDP got fixed. Lasted about six months, blew up again. And they said, you know, this is getting expensive because it was costing three to $4,000 just to get these boards. Yeah, well. And this was the second time we were spending that amount of money to fix it. And they said, well, that other computer you brought in last year, like what – what does that cost? And I said, I can probably get you a hard drive system and monitor and everything else for far less than 3000. So they gave me the go ahead to do it. And we ordered uh, stuff from Frank Hogg. So we got a Coco three with one mega Ram pre-installed the disto, a multi-pack, which bill uh, modified with the IRQ strapping thing, which I'll let him explain. Um, and then we had the eliminator card, which had two, hardware serial ports and a real-time clock and auto boot ROM and supported hard, hard drives and no halt floppies all simultaneously in one card uh, plus a hardware parallel port. And um, then we had a COM4 board we ordered from Alpha Software, which is Keith Alfonso who's active on the Cocoa Facebook group still, which is yeah. a four, four port r 32 pack card. Um, so that got us up and running with one printer. And then terminals, because one thing we wanted to do was try to get the rest of the system, because everybody had these terminals hooked up to the PDP. We had ADM-22s, ADM-3As, and a couple others, and I can't remember. But basically, people would log into the PDP system just to you know, check on jobs and stuff. So we decided to expand that. We add more terminals, et cetera. But uh, to do that, Bill had to get hired to build some custom boards 
to give us more parallel ports because we were now upgrading to three printers at the same time and uh, more steel ports because we were trying to hook up, you know, terminals by the press and terminals in the offices of the president and vice president and salespeople had them and everything else. So that's when we hired Bill. And I'll let Bill kind of explain what his hardware side of things was. Um, and then uh, we'll kind of both get into the Nitrous 9 thing because after the 639 stuff was discovered in 92, so it's a couple years after the Cocoa did take over work, uh, we started working on that simultaneously. So, Bill, do you want to kind of yeah. explain some of the hardware upgrades you did? Well, basically, uh, the first thing I actually ended up having to do was to strap the IRQ lines in the multipack, as Curtis mentioned. And uh, besides the actual COM4 board that we actually ended up getting from Keith Alfonso, uh, we actually, uh, I actually designed and built another four port RS232 board, as well as another four printers uh, on a separate board. So basically, every single slot in the multi pack was full. <laughs> and all multifunction. <laughs> and all multifunction, because it all worked at the same time and all IRQs working at the same time between all devices. That's a pretty cool setup. That's pretty impressive. Is that why you had to up- upgrade the IRQ um, so that it would run yeah. all four cartridges at the same time? Okay. Yes. Yeah. Because normally what uh, you have to do is you have to program the multi-pack. If I got an IRQ, like go check on slot one. Okay. It's not there. Go check on slot two. Once you tie the line together, basically if any of them generate an interrupt, which means any of these serial cards and anything else, the disk controller or whatever, it would immediately hit the cocoa. And then you just, you know, you have an IRQ and you don't have to keep monitoring every slot separately. You didn't have to do the sl- slot switching. Yeah. Ah, so you're pulling the slots to check for an mm-hmm. interrupt. Ooh, lots of overhead. Yeah, did that cut that down? Yeah, we ended up. I think at the final maxed out system, we had one mega RAM, we had two hard drives, we had an eighty meg and a forty meg. We had uh, three and a half and a five and a quarter inch no halt floppy three sixty and seven twenty k. We could have yes. done the upgrade to the high density disks, but uh, I don't think we just we just never bothered. Um, no, we never did bother because we didn't actually get to the point of upgrading the high density drives. Yeah. And then we ended up with eight serial ports uh, based on 6551s and 6552s, which is 52s. a much better chip. Yeah. Yeah. The COM4 was still the old was, 6551s. Yeah. My, my board was the 6552s. So. Yeah. As was the Eliminator. Um, and um, I think we only ended up with three parallel ports, didn't we? We had one on the Eliminator and then you had a dual card i think uh well i had the the second board that i had for the parallels were two sixty eight twenty ones, which would do two parallel ports or uh each so it, it was capable of a four parallels but i think we only did use the three yeah and then later on we started driving laser printers like 20 and 30 page per minute lasers too as well as line printers and, and we had faster line printers we went on too i think our maximum speed one at the end was 1200 lines per minute that yeah. was where the cocoa was starting to you know kind of not keeping up with the printer's maximum speed. Whereas with the 300 and the 600 line per minute versions, we actually could drive it at full, full throttle. Um, so basically we, we had this nice mega cocoa system. In fact, we actually talked to Lonnie Falk at one of the uh, rainbow fests there. And he, he was quite interesting. We were supposed to do an article and a video, which we had started shooting. We had video and stuff. And I, Bill, I don't know if you remember or guys that I, yeah. I know, but at some point it got lost somewhere in, I, I don't know exactly where it went or how it disappeared, but we started doing that video because a couple of your pictures that you have on file are part of that video. Yeah, so we have some stills and stuff, but uh, 
Yeah, it was too bad. It would have been an interesting article to write and and then actually to, to show everybody because we took pictures of all the printers running. We take a shot of the Cocoa screen, clear the third windows, you know, showing you got the Calgary Flames running here and the Edmonton Oilers running here and the Nashville Predators running here. And then we pan over to the printers showing all three jobs running simultaneously. But it's a uh, real, it's, it's, I don't know, I've already mentioned it, but that's a really impressive thing for Cocoa 3, to, you know, a, a, an impressive ad for it. So to speak. Yeah, I mean, you got to remember the time frame this is in too. I mean, the the PC could Mm. not do this. Um, No, this this is like Windows three one days, which was cooperative multitasking, which means it didn't like this was all preemptive multitasking. And with the Mega RAM, I mean, everything was basically running in RAM. We were hitting the hard drive just for data chunks, you know, as you're you know setting up the page type thing. Everything else is just running basic nine programs. Mm. So, like, we could format. We used to do this to people that really liked Windows, even when Windows ninety five came out. You know, I can format a floppy and run three printers. And when you formatted a floppy in the PC, it locked the machine up until the format was done. So it was that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, So yeah, it was it was a great multitasking powerhouse. And we did do some assembly language programming. We did some special stuff to speed up graphic dumps to the printer because even basic nine speed doesn't match what we needed to drive that. You know, at printers that run that that full throttle so we did do some machine language we did some um terminal emulation stuff so our different terminals it would sense what terminal it was and it would change the codes i didn't know about term cap and some of these other things that were available um until afterwards but i'd already written this emulator so and that's <laughs> and then actually 19- where Go ahead. mts mon came in <laughs> yeah actually that was one big thing that bill did because uh, we were running out of memory um, especially in the system and, and, and just for general apps there, because we were running eight terminals. So every terminal had its own shell and its own process area. And they might be running other programs on top of that. And then you, the system app was trying to keep track of all these different terminals running eight simultaneously, all running different, different things. And uh, Bill, like the standard TSMON that came with the development pack, you had to run TSMON for every terminal. So we had to run eight TSMONs, which then ran eight logins, which then ran eight shells. And now you're taking like half a mega RAM just to launch all this stuff. Yeah, you say, all, your, all your one mega RAM you had, and it would have been it would have been an absolute necessity to do all that. Yeah, and then Bill came up with the ingenious thing that I think you were originally planning it for the BBS or something before we yes, did it. Yes, it was originally planned for a BBS, <laughs> not any, even involved in work. Do you want to explain what MTS Mon does? We've actually uploaded it to the uh, the repository. Basically, now, so. what it is is it's just one program that actually uh, you set up a script file that actually had all of the terminals that you wanted to list out and have a shell on and log in, for instance. And it read this program read that file and started monitoring each of those ports. And once it actually sent something on one of those ports, it would actually execute the login and then the shell. But the actual... MTS Mon program monitored each one of those programs separately within itself instead of each one doing it on its own. Yeah, so basically the, the main program that, that, that kind of monitored the ports here and decided who was logged in who wasn't used to be eight separate programs running, one for each port, and Bill changed it so it was one program doing all eight ports at once, so only one program had to run. So it was faster, took a lot less RAM, and just was a huge improvement. <laughs> And then in, in 1992, now at this point, um, we hadn't done anything playing with the OS itself aside from you know installing drivers from Frank Hogg and everybody else. Uh, 1992 was revealed on the Cocoa Listserv that um, from an article apparently published four years earlier in Japan 
that this 6309 actually had all these extra instructions and stuff and also had the native mode, which ran faster. So I think um, I'm trying to remember, Bill, the timeline on this. You probably remember better than I because you actually I'm went to the Pacific Northwest show. thinking about this too, Curtis, and I think we actually did the crystal upgrade on the 6809 before we got to the 6309. Yeah, that's right too. I don't know if you guys know what a crystal upgrade is, but uh, there's a clock, that's master that's clock crystal. Equipment. <laughs> in the cocoa that controls basically everything everything's a division of that clock crystal the cpu the vdg speed of everything and uh, we discovered uh, from talking to bruce eistead and some other people that uh, you can upgrade that past that the standard speed like right now the current cocoa 3 currently runs at 1.7895 megahertz and if you upgrade the crystal to a 32 megahertz crystal it actually goes to true two megahertz and all the chips besides the gimme and the video signal are rated for that so if you tweak your monitor you can actually speed up your cocoa about 10 12 percent and you're running all the chips within spec except for the video signal and cassette i guess you have to change timing loops for that but so we we, we upgraded the coco 3 itself to run a little bit faster than a stock coco 3 just by replacing that one part which is what with 79 cents or something like that it was dead well, easy upgrade yeah if i remember the receipt that we you showed me you know, i think it was like 79 cents for that crystal <laughs> yeah so that was a nice easy you know 10 percent speed increase for cheap and we didn't use cassette and uh we had tweaked the monitor to handle the speed and some monitors, some brands of monitors could handle it better. Like a neck multi-sync could handle, you know, you could, I've, I've heard like from Bruce and some of the others, they actually upgrade some of their Coco 3s to run two and a half megahertz, which is pretty close to what the Gimme X is going to be doing. So we've kind of seen what that speed looks like. So did that, um, did that, that would have produced a non-standard um, video sync signal, wouldn't it? Yeah. That's why we're talking. Yes. You, you need to tweak your yeah. monitor or get a multi-sync monitor, a, a real multi-sync, not these. So you'd be what, running around 16 and a half kilohertz or something. Or, yeah. horizontal frequency mm. so we, we did that as our yeah, first it, hardware upgrade i guess higher, yeah. <laughs> for speeding up the mm. system itself and then once the 609 stuff came out uh we went to coco fest and i think that's where burke and burke had the power boost yes um which ran emulation mode but it did run the new 609 instructions like tfm and a few other things that really speed things up which nick Morandi's going to test he was using it in gunstar um so we got power boost but then bill started thinking uh about you know, we should try to get native mode running on this. But to get native mode, you have to change all your register stack frames, which OS9 uses constantly. Every system call uses register stack frames. You push registers in the stack, then you do a software interrupt call, and then the operating system picks up from where you left off and, and grabs all the registers back and figures out what system call you're trying to do. Are you reading a disk? Are you writing to a screen? What are you doing? And I, I had never tried tackling a huge project before. We'd done all these small little things locally for terminals and Base 9 and printers and stuff. And I said, this, this, that's way too much for us to be able to handle. We're not professionals. We can't do that. And, and Bill kind of just said, I'll do it anyway. And uh, I think he, you and Wes Gale were both working on it at the beginning. Uh, well, it's, I, I started actually disassembling uh, OS 9 uh, just before I went to Seattle to meet up with Wes. And once I got together with Wes, then we really decided between the two of us that, like, yeah, this is we got to keep going on this. <laughs> yeah. And basically this is a project that re- involves manually disassembling the entire operating system, every module, third party drivers, everything else. And I, I basically said, there's no way you guys are going to finish this. So I just kind of poo pooed the idea and just kept doing my normal work stuff. And then I was actually, we were at work and we did the development at or I should say, Bill did the development at work. Cause of course you're a multi-using multi-user multitasking operating system. So you get a couple printers running. You got half an hour to wait till the paper runs out. So Bill would be sitting there disassembling and commenting and, and doing stuff. 
And I still remember because he actually called me in because I was at home and we were on opposite ships. I think I was on days and bills on nights. Yeah. And he actually called me in. He said, I got it booted. So, and that means basically you got the entire core kernel and, and the major OS9 boot modules running to the point where it actually can boot up to a shell in native mode. So I drove actually from home to work at, I don't know, 10 o'clock at night or something. And I had to see it because I really didn't believe that he'd actually managed to get it to work. And he did. <laughs> so at, at that point, I became a complete convert. And then I just joined in, you know, with Bill and we were just, you know, we'd pick and choose which modules who was going to work on to see now that we've got it running in native mode, everything's running 10 to 15, 20% faster. Now let's optimize the bejesus out of it using all these new 609 instructions. And that became like a 10 year project, you know. And <laughs> there we have Nitrous 9 today. <laughs> <laughs> but Nitrous oh, yeah. 9 was basically developed at our work <laughs> up until version 1.1516 when Alan DeCock joined in. And Alan, like funny enough, uh, Bill and I were on CompuServe and there was a lot of 609 talk in CompuServe. Chris Burke was on there too, so the PowerBoost stuff. Alan was on Delphi and Delphi for Bill and me, there was no local number. So it was hugely expensive to call Delphi. So we just never bothered because it was too expensive. And Alan had done a lot of pro- programming work. He did like his bouncing ball demo and he did a patches for Coco Max and all kinds of stuff. And then he had been working on the 609 as well. And and Bill and I didn't know him from Adam. Like we had no clue who he was, what his skill set was or anything else. So he kind of proposed us on the list, you know, can I get involved with this? Because I've done some patches too. <coughs> and, and Bill and I just said, well, I don't know if we want to let somebody in we don't know. And then uh, I think Alan ended up disassembling OS 9 P1 or something, patching it to greatly speed up IRQ handling, and then sent it back to us and said, well, here. And we tried it out. Holy crap, he doesn't know what he's doing. And uh, so then we started sending him all the source to, and then he joined in and he, he went from 1.15 up until version two. And a lot of the graphics speed ups and stuff originally done by him. Like he, one, one thing Alan brought, like Bill and I, our attitude was to take the existing code and then optimize it as much as we could for the six or nine, which gave us great speed ups in some spots and pretty decent speed ups in others. <coughs> Alan brought the new mindset of let's take a look at the algorithm. Like how is it doing what it's trying to do? Not just what is the raw code? And can we actually just change the algorithm or the way it works to speed it up? And uh, that was the fresh perspective of thinking, because I hadn't really thought of that. I was just trying to speed up the existing code. And um, once we saw some of the speed gains he was getting on certain functions, it was like, oh, we should do this with the whole rest of the things. So we started doing the same thing. And for those of you following ease of use, the 6809 optimizations I've done the last few versions for graphics and stuff is based on that. It's taking like the algorithmic changes we did in Nitrous 9, 609, and then backporting it to 6809. So you were getting graphic speedups and stuff beyond, you know, the patches that Kevin Darling did back in the late 80s. Or original yeah. stock. No, stock is so god-awful slow. <laughs> oh, I can't I even question. use it anymore. I have a question about the the multitasking environment. You were talking about compared to, to Windows at the time. I remember, you know, really up until very recently, if you had a lot of intensive CPU stuff to do in Windows or, or Mac OS, um, and then you tried to do a whole lot of other stuff at once, or even one thing at once, you'd get an error in your, you know, even, even, even encoding something to iTunes, um, you know, back in the day, um, even, you know, maybe 10 years ago. Um, so when you were you know, doing all these processes at once, and then you were disassembling things and, and in all these different windows, did it increase, like how reliable was it, um, in terms of creating errors or, 
were you really able to format a drive and, and to, to run all the printers at the same time and then not have yep. any errors in your format? Yes. Yeah, yeah, you would get pretty... errors. You might run out of memory if you're doing too much or the the worst, like I'm running out of memory is pretty rare for us because our programs are pretty compact. The big thing was the speed. I mean, if you're doing too many things at once, I mean, you only got a two megahertz CPU in here, right? And even with no alt controllers and stuff, it, it does slow down. But one thing we could do is, and one thing that OSI natively supports is a set priority. So every process is defaulted to priority 128, which means they get the equal amount of CPU time. But you've got certain processes that don't really need that. They're sitting waiting for a driver. They're waiting for the printer. So we can knock a printer uh, process down to, say, 127, 126, a little bit lower. So it gets a little bit, yes, CPU time, but it's still keeping up with the printer. And you could speed up other things. Like if I'm, we're trying to do a major data conversion for work or if we're trying to disassemble something and we don't want to wait, you could bump the priority up on those and those would then run faster. So you can kind of balance it yourself. But uh, Rolos 9 was very robust. I mean, we, as far as errors actually having, the only thing you would see would be, would be slowdowns. You wouldn't see crashes. Yeah, that's pretty incredible. Yeah, and that's actually where think... you see the difference between OS 9 or Nitrous 9 and Windows. Because Windows yeah. is actually a message-based operating system where each program has to send messages back and forth. Whereas OS 9, its design theory was real-time, which means each individual process got its own time slice versus having to send messages back and forth. So you can send you know signals back and forth in, in OS 9 as well. They just have to set up a yes, signaling system. You can do that, yes. How did you go about tuning those processes? Did you set like the like the printer processes at the really lowest priority and you'd see how long the printer pauses and you keep bumping it up until the printer keeps busy? Yeah, I mean basically once yeah, we you got find it going, that balance. Yeah, you you kind of figure out like a printer would be 126 usually if it's a line printer, it might be 128. You might leave it full blast if it's a laser because it takes more data to mm. print stuff with. And then you'd be certain things like if you're disassembling something, but it's not really, you're not, you don't want to view it in five seconds type thing. You could just, you know, bump it lower if it's slowing down something else that was time critical. Like if we got busy with work stuff and we had to start, you know, researching some other things and Bill and I are on our main desk at, uh, where the Coco three itself was, we actually had one of the terminals. We could even work side by side. Like one of us would have an 80 column terminal to be doing stuff while the other is actually running on the main Coco itself. So. Um, you could even bump up, you know, you know, I need some extra process priority here, Bill, because I need to, uh, you know, get this assembly to go real quick so we can reboot the system after these next piles of printer paper are done so we can reboot and see if this new patch works, which we did all the time. <laughs> but you, you had some numerous uh, times. <laughs> you, I recall you told me last time you had some resistance from a female boss at some point. Uh, yeah, that was at the second company because the the first company we worked yeah. at was Mackenzie Ray Tickets, which ran from '86 till 1992, and they got bought up by Mercury Graphics, which is where I worked on, up until Mercury disappeared, and Bill worked there for quite a few years too. But the person uh, that was in charge of the computer department there, they were running an HP 3000 mini computer, kind of like a PDP but a little bit smaller, and um, she was very staid in her ways, like she was very regimental like you know you have to do things this way you have to use the hp to run these printers we're not letting you guys run this stuff and uh, yeah she was quite resistant to using the cocoa for anything <laughs> and uh so basically we, we we when we got bought out a lot of the people came over and they knew what we were capable of doing and they'd ask her and because she didn't want to write new software unless absolutely necessary if they asked can you do this special thing we haven't tried before bill and i would normally if they asked us we'd go let me think about it yeah i think we can do that Let's give it a try. 
And she was more like, you know, we haven't done that before, so no. And it, it, it ended up that even the people that had been at Mercury before they bought up McKenzie Ray, as well as the McKenzie Ray salespeople and stuff, would just come and ask me and Bill. They wouldn't even talk to her anymore, which caused a bit of a rift because <laughs> she was yeah. technically in charge of the department. Just a little. <laughs> so they, they'd come out to us a night shift because she usually worked a day shift. And then we'd get all these extra things done that they wanted done or special programming done. <laughs> done for the next day and and they would be running it and she started getting mad she started talking to the president about you know bill and curtis are you know kind of you know trying to usurping my authority authority. yeah exactly (laughs) and then he kind of said well are they are they helping get things done faster and well yes well then let them do it type thing (laughs) in fact her and the president got in a very heated argument now bill witnesses i was actually on christmas holidays oh yeah and Bill, you can explain that story, what you saw through the window. <laughs> oh, there was quite the argument going there between the president and this woman. Like, he basically pushed her right out the door. <laughs> well, wow. oh. sounds like she was a bit of a control freak. Oh, yeah. Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the sad thing was she was not dumb. She was a good programmer. She, just she was like, a good programmer. Yeah, she just didn't want to do anything new. She, she, she had these set, set of programs that she'd been using for a couple of years and didn't want to expand on them or, or change them or refresh them in any way. She just wanted to keep running the same stuff. Mm. Was the woman's name Fletcher? Any no. chance? <laughs> no. no. Okay. I can reveal her name just in case by some off chance she manages to hear she this because I don't want to diss her on a personal level. Um, <laughs> like I said, she was a good programmer. She just was very intransient or transigent to doing anything new. Hmm. Not so great for a computer person. <laughs> Have yeah. you got some of those photos? Uh, I've got one. This is from Mercury. This okay. is from late in, in the Mercury thing here. Uh, Hold on. Let me, um, let me stop sharing my sound. I don't, I don't need sound for this, so you can leave the sound if you want. I just need to be able oh, to Oh, I don't know. Will it let you share? You try. No, I guess <coughs> maybe not. Yeah, you're right. Okay. Hold on. <coughs> Go ahead. Make my day. <laughs> okay, you guys seeing that? Yep. yep. Okay, so this is at Mercury. This is the later company. This is at the late end. This is probably around, I don't know, late 90s. Um, yeah. So this isn't the original setup we would have had here, but uh, you can see the Coco 3 there behind the chair and the multi-pack with every single slot full. Um, yes, and the he gave it that was right. From- Cables from H-E-L-L. <laughs> yeah, if you can see all the cables down b- below the desk there, that's like parallel printer cables and serial cables and all kinds of crap, some power cables. But that's our Didn't one Make Coco 3 CM8 monitor, yeah. uh, all four slots. We got on the left there by the filing cabinet, you can see the hard drive. And beside that, you can kind of see the top end of the floppy drive. That, the that was our dual five and a quarter, three and a half inch. It says 1993 on the uh, text. Is it the printer we can see in the background there? Is it a mirror? Yeah, that's one of the Printronics printers. Yeah, yeah. there's actually two of them that you can see in that picture. But that was a 300-line per minute uh, line printers, and they were true line printers. They had a ba- hammer bank rather than the head like you're used to on standard dot matrix. So we would ha- have this big bank that would actually hit the paper all at once and, and print the entire line in one shot. <laughs> it would have been loud. <laughs> oh, it was. <laughs> oh, they were. That's why that's it's why in that separate, separate room, room in the middle there that's partly soundproof with windows. Yeah, right, right. Oh, so that's a window we're seeing there, not a mirror. Yeah, okay. Makes sense. Yeah. 
And then on the far left on the other desk, you can see one of the ADM-22 terminals. That was one of the eight terminals we had hooked up to the Coco. So we had a bunch of these 80-column terminals that you could run uh, screen editors on. You could run Basic 9. You can run shells. And basically, uh, later on when we had the main Coco was being used by Bill, myself, or later Dwayne Downing as well for doing the actual programming of the next jobs coming up with the people we actually had operating the printers. Cause by that time it was just getting too busy and we couldn't do it ourselves and get any other work done. So the people would be at terminals and there's some terminals in the printer room too, or on the other side of the other glass. Um, they could actually, you know, control running the printers and what programs running and what job it's for from the terminals themselves through the cocoa to the printer while Bill or whoever was on shift at that particular time would be running the main cocoa three for the actual development of the code we needed. But yeah, Nitrous 9 was developed on this Cocoa for the most part. We did do some development at home too, but most of it was done here because it was just such a slick, nice system. Neither one of us had one meg of RAM at home at the time. Neither one of us had dual hard drives at home at the time. Nope. Uh, so it was just much better. Plus it was clock crystal upgraded too, so it ran a bit faster. Um, so basically Nitrous 9 from version 1 right through to version 2.01 was ran, or, or developed I should say, primarily on this system as well as you know home systems of myself, Bill, and Alan DeCock. That's really cool. Cool. Mm. Yeah, and actually, this mm. picture doesn't really show it yet, Curtis. But there was also the 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 other laser that was there at the time that this picture was taken, and that one super fast printer is basically on the other side of the wall behind that black filing cabinet. <laughs> yeah, the management tally printer that ran the at twelve hundred lines per yeah. minute. Oh, that was the one I had to bump the priority up because the Coco couldn't quite keep up at a standard priority while running other stuff at the same time. Also not shown in this picture, I don't think. It'd be through the second window. Um, yeah, you can't quite see through there because it's reflecting it. But um, there was an, a 386DX40 um, AMD C, or a Windows 3.1 computer that we used as a terminal <laughs> on the Coco <laughs> itself too. That's funny. <laughs> and, and another guy, uh, James West, uh, who we he was just kind of like a temporary help person, but he was a genius programmer. I, I roommated with him for a while. And he, was, he was a far better programmer than I oh, was. Oh, that guy was smart. Oh, oh yeah, <laughs> still is. But uh, he, he wrote an, I wish we could find it again because unfortunately it got lost over the years, but he wrote an OS9 emulated terminal program for the PC that actually emulated doing overlay windows and device window changes and colors and palettes and all that stuff that you could actually run. And you can natively run OS9 programs and actually have them do pop-up overlay windows and stuff right on the screen for screen editors like sled and that kind of stuff. And it, it ran really well. And I wish we could find it. It was originally written in Pascal too, if I remember to Pascal. Yeah. He wrote it in Pascal. Yeah. So this, this time period was very interesting because in a couple of years you had windows 95 and then the whole phenomenon of people playing uh, like minesweeper and, and other things and other windows. And then, you know, bosses coming and they switch switch over. And so were, were you or Bill ever, uh, ever get tempted to uh, play a game of uh, of a rogue or something in another window? Oh, we did. Then... oh yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah the, the, the OS9 Terminal program ran rogue quite well. It ran, uh, there's a Star Trek game that ran in color that I ran on there quite a bit. There's no delay. When you hit that clear button, it's boom, you're back to uh, work. Yeah, yeah, I did the port. I did Rick Adams' oh, port see. of Shanghai on that machine. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah, you did that at work. <laughs> that's cool. Was there any consideration um, since that time period was um, um, right when kind of um, um, Commodore was releasing all the Amiga stuff before they, you know, before they tumbled and went out of business? Um, did, was it 
do they ever consider the the Amiga? I know they didn't really have uh, OS nine for the Amiga, um, but was that ever consideration? Or it was just too expensive. Is that the reason why they went with the Coco? It it was probably a combination of being too expensive. I don't know how good the Amiga's multi terminal support would have been. Could it handle eight terminals hooked up to it? Was there even hardware to allow that to happen? I don't know. That's the thing. I don't know if there was any hardware. Oh. Um, I, I know we had a kind of a kinship with some Amiga people, not at work, but just in general, because I remember uh, Microsoft made a claim that you couldn't do any serious multitasking or anything with less than four mega RAM or something stupid like that. <laughs> and both of our groups piped up and said, what the hell are you talking about? We've been doing that for years and we're doing it preemptively, not cooperatively. The quarter of the RAM. <laughs> or you, bought this, you, you bought this whole system uh, before the Tandy discontinued the Cocoa in 91. Oh, no, we bought this. Um, when did we get? It would have been 89. Oh, it would have been 89, 90-ish, somewhere in there. Yeah, late late 89, I think, because the the first PDP death, temporary death, was late in 88. And I was just there by myself. Bill wasn't there yet. And I literally ran my cocoa. Like, I ran home after the PDP died, and we found out it was going to take a week to get the replacement board for four grand or three grand or whatever it was. So I ran home, grabbed my cocoa, because we were in the middle of rush season. Now. We couldn't afford to be stopped for a week. And I just brought my own home cocoa 3 system, which was just 512K and a dual floppy drive. And we got everything up and running. Like or I got everything up and running literally that afternoon. We didn't hook up terminals at that point. And then when it died again, which was just months later, I think that might have been in the spring of 89, mm-hmm. is when we ordered everything in. And by that summer, fall, we had the system ordered both from Tandy and Frank Hogg, depending on which hardware we're talking about. Yeah, and did, the company you, that we worked for bought it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you use any of the applications for OS nine, like uh, Phantom Graph, or any anything um, besides what you were developing yourself? Just just development tools like Basic Nine, yeah. the C compiler, the assemblers, Scred. Um, Scred, yeah, because that ran on the terminals <coughs> and some other editors and stuff. Um, but we were basically doing development, so that's that's mostly what we were doing is development tools. Hey, Curtis. Um, Mr. Yep. Dave has a question. He was wondering, uh, did you ever have to replace your cocoa at work or did it last forever? It lasted um, the entire time, I think. Not not quite. Because um, basically after afterwards, the line printers kind of got phased out. They weren't being used by anybody anymore. The lasers, we were getting faster lasers. We had some lasers that were doing 60 pages per minute. The cocoa had trouble keeping up because you had to dump a lot more graphics stuff to it. So it was becoming a bit of a speed hindrance. On the slower, older lasers, which ran at 20, 30 pages per minute, we can keep up. But then we switched to an inkjet system, which ran at 300 feet per minute. And that was way too fast for a Cocoa to do. Um, and plus, they were using really huge files. So that actually ended up running on OS2 Warp. Uh, with the development of the files for it being developed under Windows, at that time, it would have been 95 or 98. So you were um, running standard like a, a PC basic, like a, a Yeah, a, which, which sucked like because you had to have system. a separate PC for every single one you were doing because the multitasking at that point wasn't that good yet. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, right. So were they all Pentiums or something, were they? Or? Yeah, 46s and Pentiums, I think, at that that stage. Yeah. <laughs> was there ever a consideration in going to a 68K-based um, Coco 4, like the MM1? No, I mean, Bill and I managed to monitor that quite well because we'd see them at the fest and stuff, but we were kind of getting a little bit of bad vibes and it didn't matter which manufacturer talking about it. It was like, you know, MM1 had trouble getting FCC approval for a year, year and a half and got delayed. And then Frank Hogg stuff got delayed. The PT 68 K was basically an IBM ISA bus 
that you had to customize drivers to run these ISA cards. And we're going, well, if you're doing that, you might as well just run the PC, right? Because um, they already have the drivers done. You don't have to worry about doing those extra coding. So for us, it was never really a major consideration. If one of them had taken off and become popular enough to have this you know, software support of, a, of an industry, we might have, but it never got to that point. And the yeah. OSK OS 9000, we did fiddle with OS 9000 for a little bit um, on the mm-hmm. Intel chips. But by that time, Windows had started to catch up and there was a lot more hardware support. Like OS 9000, you had to have like this type of a graphics card, this type of a printer card. You couldn't just, you know, plug in the cheap ones. You had to buy these specific ones, which were usually more expensive or more limited in power. So by the time Windows XP came along, we'd kind of gone more to the PC side. The Coco still ran some, you know, occasional line printer jobs or as an extra backup for some of the laser jobs, but uh, it just kind of got gradually retired as, as time went on. Okay. Um, we're coming up to the top of the hour. Any, any other questions from the panel uh, in the next uh, five minutes or so? Or, or from um, the chat. Or from the chat. From yeah. Mark. What happened uh, with the Coco system uh, there? Bill, did you take the Coco itself or did, I can't remember what happened to the Coco. The Eliminator actually, I have here. Actually, I have the Eliminator. I, I know you have the Eliminator. The Coco, I don't know where that ended up. Interesting to find out. Yeah, I can't remember. Somebody might have bought it. Actually, now I'm thinking about it. But the, the, the Eliminator and uh, one of its hard drives I actually still have here. Um, I have to actually try to piece together a boot file to be able to read it because the Eliminator was not compatible with the Radio Shack controller whatsoever. But eventually, actually, I'll to go see what, I mean, what's on that thing. I'm even kind of curious to find out of where those two boards went. Yeah, because I don't think I got them. I'll have to dig through, but I don't think I have them. Imagine having that for a for a Cocoa Fest. Have, have the whole original setup and a printer and everything and print all the newsletters for Cocoa Fest on it. <laughs> <laughs> well, the printers are long gone. I know that. Yeah. Um, Mark, any any other questions in the chat? Uh, none that I see other than Tim Franklin said, did, did anybody uh, read all of that printed material? <clears throat> and I said, uh, they're event tickets and hopefully they read every one of them. Make sure they're not yeah. Cause forged. they have to figure out where they're sitting <laughs> <laughs> and to make sure they don't forgeries. So every one of them should have been read. Yeah. But if you, okay. if you, anybody here attended major sports events in North America during that 88 through or 89 through 2000 time period, uh, there was a good chance that at least some of them you would have been printed on a cocoa because we did uh, three quarters of the NHL. We did about a third of the NFL. We did about oh, yeah. a third of Major League Baseball. Uh, we did some lacrosse. We did a lot of college teams. Um, do you have any well, basketball, we did we did That's about half big. the NBA. We did the World Expo in Australia on the cocoa. Oh, really? I've, still got my, I've actually got my Expo 88 ticket. I've still got yeah, it. it was Expo 88. So little spitter tickets about, you know, this. Oh, really? <laughs> that was printed oh, on the coach. show. I want to see it. Yeah, right. Printed oh, that. I'm glad I kept it now. I've, got, I've actually, it's, I know exactly where it is, too. Oh, good. L- Dig it up next you know. time and do a show and get it. on it. Yeah, I will. I will, for sure. Yeah, there you go. All right. Oh, like yes, I said before, th- this is a, yeah. an interesting story about seeing what the, the cocoa in a real world um, application. It, it's a good story to know that the uh, Coco was doing something that we generally thought that you need a, a PC network and all that to do. And yeah. we had the little old Coco. 
Yeah, we yeah, just had a imagine. serial network with eight serial terminals uh, hooked up at 4,800 baud. <laughs> well, that's my mind. The world my jumped expo to ticket was printed on your Coco. Like you. crazy. <laughs> get it. Oh, you want to explain it to me again? I didn't get it okay. when I walked into the room. I didn't catch it when I heard you talking. When I was in uh, we got a little window into Bill's home environment. Um, <laughs> well, anyway, the world uh, kind of jumped to PCs and apples when things were getting interesting in other areas too. Okay. Yeah. Well, this was a great, great topic. Thanks Curtis and Bill and everybody on the panel. Um, if you have any additional questions, we'll certainly be able to um, answer those in the coming hour. I think what we'll do now is, um, Curtis, if you stop, you've stopped sharing, obviously. And so I'll I'll share my system sound again, so the panel can hear. Uh, we'll play the the. Well, before you do, Rob, I just want to thank you for making that that nine nine commercial because we actually hadn't seen that before, including me and Bill. So. Yeah, yeah. So um, we're going to replay that since I kind of broke it off a little bit early. So we'll replay the Nitrous Nine commercial just to clear. We'll also play yeah. a new ease of use commercial that's focused around two megabytes. And then we'll go into a new Coco Thoughts and then come back for uh, our three hosts, Curtis Boyle, with, with news. Is there a new so, Coco Thoughts? Uh, I thought Kansas wasn't one. Oh, okay. before, uh, I, I haven't seen it before, so it's new to me. Before you do launch everything, too, I just wondered, is it possible to, to bring up the game a little bit on the Zoom sound? Or is that um, is it a global – is the level – when you uh, shared the sound last time, it was better, but it was still really, really quiet. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. I'll see what I can I do. No, no promises. We yeah, no probably check for new Joey and Coco too. Evie and Jason are on Zoom as well. I don't know if they want to talk. Or Actually, if they're here, we should get them on before, like after the commercial. But we'll get them on before we segue into the other stuff. Yeah. Yep. Wonder Jason. Yes, we are. Hello. Hello. Hello, Okay. Before we lose them again. I want to talk about Stevie's hat. <laughs> well, you, you didn't lose us during the hour and a half snooze fest. That was OS9, so we're still here. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't fallen asleep at the wheel. I only have four words about that last segment. Not on my watch. So you're lucky I'm not on <laughs> <laughs> Player, TTL, RS-232, floppy yeah, drive. But did you see the multi-pack was full? David have was we, right. Four slots have we covered enough. the grease weasel yet? Hey, if we had more slots, it would be better. <laughs> That's what she said. Oh, all I can say is, Stevie, we would probably trust your opinion more if you didn't have such a ridiculous hat. Otherwise, we just ignore you. So. <laughs> this, this was my OS9 filter here. Yeah, it looks better. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, so to the to the thirty some odd people that were watching, we're sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we're watching, you say. Any any updates on the convention, Steve? What's that? So I, well, he posted some pictures, and uh... we're we're gonna we're gonna pull up your pictures on the next uh, news segment. Ah, uh, yes, yes, there were Coco sightings at uh, at uh, Hamcation, so more than one. Yeah. I see Sarah. Well, this one Coco too. Hi, Sarah. Guys, the direct, the direct connect modem pack. I haven't seen any retro stuff at the. Hey, I wanted to ask you. Uh, there was one thing that you posted on both Facebook and in the listserv 
about trying to get that uh, digitized dot matrix printer tribute to the guy's son? Yes. Uh, did anybody respond to that? Because I don't know anybody who's got a dot matrix printer. Yeah, I was hoping to bring it up in the panel in case anybody here does. I don't know if you, you okay. got, are you guys familiar with the story? Uh, mm-hmm. Other than what I shared with you guys. The email no I received that I shared with you guys. No, but in, and, and I'll be serious for just a second and only a second. Um, I am actually <laughs> looking forward to the new commercials. You better okay. put your hat back on. I think you've been <laughs> taken over by aliens or something here. So yeah. <laughs> that's not the scene. He just okay. spent too much time out in the sun today. Yeah, he's got the beer virus. He's back, he's Stevie. Where, in stream content, where am I looking for uh, photos? Oh no, the photos were posted in uh, Discord, Discord under Talk uh, Lobby. Oh, perfect. All right, we'll be right back with news and game on and uh, photos from Hamcation and all that fun stuff. Let's do Hamcation first before we hit the other two. All righty. Because that's kind of news and we can segue to news after that. Okay, here we go, everyone. Drive wire, drive wire. TTL. A whole new approach. Than ever. A window to a world of possibilities. Clear your expectations. Just hit clear. Download EOU today at lcurtisboyle.com. Baby, there's something I need to talk to you about. Remember when we first met? Everything was so easy and it felt like nothing could stop us. But now, everything is such a struggle. And if I'm being honest, you're really starting to show your age. Can I get the check, please? Break up with 512K. Use 2 megabytes now with Nitros 9 Ease of Use Edition. Ease of Use. Download EOU today at lcurtisboyle.com. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. I wish I was on my way to Florida right now. That would be a switcheroo. All right. Scott Gimes is envious of you guys. Not Scott. <laughs> I keep saying Scott because it's not going to be Scott Grimes. Samuel Gimes. 
All right, uh, Curtis, you want to take it away with hour three? <laughs> I guess he could. Um, <laughs> so next up on Nitrous Nine special day uh, for Sister Stevie. <laughs> all Nitrous Nine all the time. What you guys, what you guys covered how to make a bootloader. <laughs> the only thing that exists. So here's, here's the 17-page uh, uh, proposal of what we're going to put into EasyViews Beta 6. Um, you know what? There actually was the bound manual of multi-view that we could have bought at the... At the oh, I, no, I, he threw it in. I have it. Okay. I have it. He threw it in. Yeah. I'm, Did you get an autograph for Stevie? That's the question. Even Nick Morenti's like the OS9 segment, so... How to boot I'm sorry. No, Nick Berenties was was just totally blown away. You could do something actually productive with OS nine. <laughs> I'm still blown away with my Expo eighty eight ticket was printed on it on a Coco on the OS nine. Got it. Uh, do you hey, want to Discord? Discord? Yeah, I, I think we can go through the the stuff that they found at uh, Amcation or whatever it's called. First, before we get into the regular news. Oh my God. Is there anything, any cocoa related stuff there that you didn't buy? Or did you, did you pretty much clean? <laughs> Can That's they still hear uh, There was one cocoa related thing that I almost didn't buy. How about that? <laughs> so you guys thing, bought uh, every single cocoa related item they had at the at the show. Pretty much, yeah. yeah it was either, it was either bought or given to us. Cool. <laughs> we bought this Cantronics cartridge. With Cantronics is a company still in existence. Uh, I, I don't know if it was actually made by Cantronics. It was made for a third party, but they uh, do um, uh, amateur radio products. They're still in the day. I think this was. It looks like a ROM. It's a ROM pack with a wire coming out of it. Um, yes, Stevie is for, beautifully um, modeled. Oh, there it is. Oh, look. The lovely Stevie Stroh has it right here. Here's our hand yeah. model. And, uh, and uh, yeah, it says Cantronics on it. So, uh, it, so there's a some interface or some kind of data terminal, but I guess you can do RTTY. I don't know a lot about it, but it's, I've never seen one. I think it does PTL and DriveWire. Uh, <laughs> Grease oh, Weasel not included. <laughs> um, Bet David's not here. RS-232. <laughs> Yeah, I'm gonna have to take a look at it. It looks neat. I've never heard of it, so but I, I had to. I negotiated the price on that, so I because the original price I wasn't gonna get it, but when I got when I was able to negotiate about fifty percent off, then I went. And it was the last couple thing he had, so because it's really rare. I'm like, oh, that's great. I mean, there's lots, <laughs> but I I don't know what I'm gonna do with it. But I'm it's pretty sure the uh, wire coming out of it. How cool is that? I'm pretty sure Tom C has used one, so talk with him. Because he's he's done, I'm pretty sure, RTTY with his Coco. Rondell Vaughn might have done some stuff, too. Because, I don't know. Yeah. Mike Jacob saw the uh, modem pack on the table. That's what started all of this. So was was all this stuff at one one table, like one guy was selling Coco stuff, or was it scattered through? Yeah, one guy. Yeah, so yeah. his name was Roger. Um, yeah, he, he had a modem, a modem pack in the box on his table. I forgot Jason's eye. He didn't catch his last name. Was it Krupski or? Uh, well, these were his stuff. He said this was his original equipment too. 
But did you catch his last name? You remember his last name? I don't. I don't remember his last name. Hopefully he contacted Yeah, I gave him I gave him a card. That's my phone number and stuff on it, like my business card. And so hopefully he'll be to it. Um, but yeah, so we saw the modem on the table and like, oh, cool. There's, I knew we'd, we'd see something with Coco here. He's like, you want Coco? I got Coco. He had a whole bin under the table of stuff. And then that's oh, wow. his whole stash. And we basically got it all. It was no multi-pack and disc drive for $50, but it was still pretty good, man. That, was that where you got that last year? Was that a Hamcation? Or was that VCS? That was a Hamvention last year in, oh, Hamvention. in Ohio. So Yes. Yeah, Hamvention, trademark. Um, yeah. Right now we're going to the world's largest orange. Yeah, so there's a big giant orange, orange up there. world. Oh. Oh. Wow. Is it, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, thanks for yeah. thanks for keeping us away on the highway with the whole O's nine segment. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh, if we, so we got too exciting there, we'd be just making you distracted driving, which I don't even know if that's legal anymore. So. <laughs> is there is it is it uh, is there is there is it a crime to have poor driving? <laughs> if I can get this to flip around and see the big giant orange. Oh, there we go. So the yeah. pictures you posted there. in Discord, is that pretty much is that everything that you bought? Yes. Okay. Hey, we're uh, here in a oh, Ben Drakes loves your hat. I don't know if he's being sarcastic or I sure hope so. <laughs> I'm surprised yeah, TV hasn't okay. used a big orange before. That's too orange for my blood. He's got, the, he's, got, he's got the big yellow. Kind of big. He's got the big orange. Uh, well, he saw that hat and he just had to have it. It just spoke, it to, spoke him. to me. Yeah. Well, we do have the big so apple here in Ontario. What did it say? So it was very easy not to lose him. What did it say when it spoke to you? Oh, it's two, three, two. Have you heard of the big <laughs> apple, Curtis? Buy me, buy me. Sorry, what was that, Dad, Nick? Big Apple in Ontario. Whereabouts in Ontario? It is on the 401 uh, near, I'm not quite sure where it's near. Kind of outside Toronto, a ways. Like big, north towards Montreal? Or? It looks like a Big Apple. They sell apple pies. No, no, no it's in Ontario. I've probably driven by it, but I don't never stop there. So take that big orange. <laughs> Get your big apple right here. <laughs> Nick is spoken three times. Okay. We want to pop up those uh, photos from Discord? Somebody? Ah, uh, since I'm going to be doing the new segment, I guess I can. Let me just get my Discord running here. Ooh, so, Stevie and Jason, what's the temperature like out there? Like, do you really need the hats? Is it that hot? <laughs> Gonna catch our death of cold, it, I do declare. It's, uh, it's warm enough. I mean, it's it's like it's like Florida cold, but it's warm enough. I think we're in the seventies. I think the hat's just more of a, a sun thing. But here's the big giant orange. So we're gonna head inside. So we will catch you guys later. If you want an orange Julius, was that a thing down there? It's very very orange. 
<laughs> we got the we got a giant pineapple yeah. here. There's still a few yeah, orange trees. Wow, we could like make it like a giant fruit salad between all of us. Yeah. <laughs> apples and fruits, <laughs> apples and oranges and pineapples. Actually, I think we got a giant banana in Queensland too, isn't it? You know about that? I don't know about the banana. The banana. I don't know about the pineapple, but giant <laughs> banana. Yeah, there's a pineapple down here. Um, I thought there was a banana up there somewhere. Maybe I'm mistaken. But, hmm. I think you're talking about our politicians. Yes, yep, 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 all of them. They're all bananas. <laughs> yeah, they're all Fruit Loops. <laughs> okay, I have their pictures uh, ready if you're ready to take a look. Uh-huh. Oh, Love where's David Ladd? <laughs> yeah. So they said this was an FD500, not a 501 or 2, correct? Yeah. So that'd be the long-length disc controller and it'd just be 40-track, single-sided, half-height drives, I, I think. Yeah, yeah. Well, you just, it looks you like just, it, yeah. You just answer Since, my question. Um, both 40, all, all of those were 40 tracks. It was only the original full-height ones were 35. Now, it's a 64K... Coco 2 with a Tandy logo, and they took a look at it. It looks like a B on the bottom, so I'm pretty sure that's going to be a T1 lowercase Coco 2. Yeah. Looks like it's in pretty good nick, too. If it's Korean and it's a B, it's very likely a T1, or it could be very much yep. T1. I don't think yep. America. Yeah. A little bit of discoloration on the keys. You can see it's yellowing a bit on the, some of them, but uh, that's pretty normal. Well, you 15 do bucks, sure that's not bad. That um, how much are, are 64K Coco 2s going for on eBay these days? 40, 50 bucks, usually. So 15 is a pretty good deal. Oh, no. More than that? More than 40, yeah, they're more, more like double that at the moment. Yeah. Throw a Coco VGA on this and you'd be good to go. Hmm. Well, even without having true lowercase on this, I mean, that's that's still a you know a hyped up Coco 2, so. Case itself looks, at least it's kind of whitish. Yeah, I can't tell if it's dirt or scuff marks, so I, I guess it depends. Which yeah, actually will relate to a video I'll have on the news segment, but we'll get into that later. The color looks good, though. I mean, it looks it doesn't look yellowed. And there's that Xerox copy of the manual they're talking about, and then also a, a little bit of a shot of that Hamsoft Cantronics card. That, that's not a card I'm familiar with. I remember some some Ham stuff from back in the day, because I know Marty Goodman used to talk about it quite a bit, but I, that's one not one in particular I remember. I wonder where the connector goes. Yeah, when I first saw it, I thought, is that like a CMA connector? Is that a monitor card? It's but, only a single That line. goes to the uh, Interface 2 uh, unit that uh, connects to. That uh, provides the communication link between the computer and the um, Interface 2 unit. Um, they use the, two T- the TTY connection on that. So instead of having a regular serial port, you're actually using the cartridge here. And then the Hamsoft uh, program for the... Uh, color computer was used and uh, communicated to the port. But did you have one of these, uh, Brian, or were you familiar with it? Uh, I used to do really on the, uh, the cocoa, um, but you just used um, the regular serial port for that. But I was doing a little bit of research and then I've seen those around on occasion uh, in my past years and that. And I did a little research on it just now and I said, Oh, okay. I know how it works now. So that okay. plug plugs into a transceiver, does it, or is it? Uh, no, it actually plugs into um, the the uh, special um, uh, modem 
that's designed for receiving the uh, signals, the audio signals, and it converts them to the actual digital output to a uh, computer. So, so you had the modem that uh, that cartridge plugged into, and that did the work. And then the uh, c- color computer was just the uh, terminal that accessed the uh, modem. So if you wanted to do RTTY, you'd have to plug in a transmitter to the modem then, yeah? Exactly, exactly. You got uh, uh, a chain of uh, components um, to uh, have the TTY, or not to, yeah. to, to, to do the uh, RIDI. Um, yep. And that the, the modem did the conversions of uh, the digital information from the keyboard to whatever goes out. Yeah. And then that goes to the radio and the radio transmits the signal out. Yep, he yep, picked yep. he he picked up a uh, modem pack while he was there as well. I'm wondering if they're meant to go together. That's probably highly likely. Especially oh, there, there's the bit. modem. <laughs> Maybe that keyboard needs some cleaning, though. <laughs> uh, no, no, no. The 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 Cantronics uh, interface is designed specifically for creating the tones for RIDI at the different modes, yeah, and yeah, also right, for doing right. CW. So the Direct uh, Connect modem pack um, that's just standard RS two thirty two. All right, unless it's yeah, been right, modified, right. we won't know until he opens it up. Yeah, because yeah, right. it came with a built-in 300 baud modem, but you could actually change it so it operated like a real RS-232 pack up to 192, if I remember. But yeah, that uh, the Hamsoft one looks like it's custom-made specifically for doing the RTTY. That's um, pretty typical of, audio signals. of Ham guys. That's that's. Yeah. But that's what I'm wondering. I'm wondering if that direct connect modem has actually been hacked, and that Hamsoft what? cartridge plugs into that hacked modem. We wouldn't need to, though, because you wouldn't need an RS-232 pack because the Hamsoft would have the built-in uh, audio tone version of that. Yeah, well, you, yeah, you've already got the audio tones there. All you need is a, a, yeah. an acoustic modem to, to, to uh, yeah. basically oh. connect to the radio transmitter. Yeah, no, that, that the cartridge for the Coco, that is actually the serial port connection between the computer and the um, the UTUs, the what they call it, or the, or the modem unit that uh, created the uh, the tones to go to the radio oh so the modem itself creates the tones this just tells it it sends the data to it to tell it what tones to create exactly it's just nothing but this a uh, communications port to yeah. the um to the unit yeah okay, remember, that makes sense. remember modem is a contraction for modulation demodulation it's the thing that actually creates the tones and then reinterprets the sounds back yep anyway i think that's the four pictures they had up by the way, I just did a quick search on eBay for completed auctions of Coco 2s. There's three or four of them that sold for around $50 US. Oh, okay. So this is like no. one-third the price, though. <laughs> yep, and no shipping yeah. charges. Yep. Yeah. Now, I don't know. Right. If you had to drag Steve around in your car for a whole day, that's worth <laughs> shipping charges, I think. Especially with that hat. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, Are we ready for news? Yeah. Yep. Let's go to our news intro. A new Muppet News Flash. That's a good trippy psychedelic effect. Number one, 
TB, TJB Chris, who's actually joined the Facebook group recently. He's been doing a lot of, you know, technical Coco videos. Like he did the, uh, the deload stuff. He did the, how OS nine, um, permissions and stuff work and stuff like that has a bit of a different one here and a rather interesting hardware software project for the Coco, a literal fart detector. It's about time. <laughs> David lad detector. <laughs> So this, it, it's kind of fascinating what, what he's done here. It's actually, it actually detects methane. It can detect butane and stuff. And he wrote a little basic program that basically reads it. This is all done through the joystick port and some custom <laughs> hardware he did. I don't know if I should play the whole thing. What do you guys think? It's about just over five minutes. Is it detect when Greta Thunberg speaks? <laughs> Sorry, I had to do that. <laughs> or do you guys just want a kind of a sneak preview? And oh, watch it later? Cut out the part where he actually does the fart. <laughs> oh, he specifically yeah, well, made sure he didn't do that. He said, you know, he, he, sometimes accidents happen. He didn't want that on camera. So <laughs> you might get a copyright hit. <laughs> now, is this loud enough? You guys can hear it. You're going to be grateful we don't have a sound check. Okay, so I got no sound. Okay, just a sec. Got no sound. Uh... Share that again. I think I did it on the first one. I was doing the Discord stuff where I actually didn't need it and then forgot to on this one. Uh, yeah. Hey everyone. Yep, it's working. In the taste is it loud enough or do you need loud yep. computer That's related good. department? I figured I'd bring back an old project. Uh, way back probably 7 or 8 years ago now when the Arduino Uno first came out, I got one for Christmas. And in looking for a project for it, I thought, you know, we had a natural gas leak in the house once. I'll build myself a little DIY natural gas detector. <laughs> Not really to protect the family, but it was just something to kind of learn the basic dealings of a microcontroller. So in building one, I found out it was pretty bad at detecting natural gas, but I figured out it was pretty good at detecting farts. So what resulted is the <laughs> fart detector. Gas. <laughs> what is the fart detector? This is the fart detector. Now this is just kind of a project I cobbled together, although I did build a nice little proto board. So this was designed to connect to a fire alarm system panel. And as such, it originally wired in as a four-wire smoke detector. So over here, the power wiring originally came from this connector here, and then the point loop wiring as well. And in a typical NFPA-style B smoke detector, you've got two wires for power, and you've got your, your zone loop wiring, or your point loop. So the NAC and notification, I should say, is a separate circuit. So anyway, I built this thing. Um, the Arduino Uno is under this shield that has my warm catalyzed gas detector. And then I built this little proto board here that provides electrical isolation through the use of a miniature relay. So the alarm panel was particularly sensitive to fluctuations in voltage, so I figured isolating the point loop entirely allowed me the most most control and the most reliability. So this was connected to an alarm system panel for a long time, a long time and was in my basement, much to the chagrin of my wife. Since I have this Color Computer 2 sitting here, I figured I would bring it back to life and so I've built a little interface cable for it, which goes back here on the color computer to the joystick port. And believe it or not, I was able to find a six-pin DIN locally. I didn't have to send away for it. Um, so I wired that up, and now I'm going to give you a little demonstration. Okay, so the way the fart detector works, it actually has two modes. It has a latching mode for connection to an alarm panel, where once the alarm sounds or is activated, the point latch is closed, and you have to reset the the detector by removing power. That's typically how um, NFPA, oh, I guess style A and B smoke detectors work. You remove power form and the device resets. Otherwise, once they're alarmed, they latch. 
In this mode, I've reprogrammed it so that it will release after a period of time passes. It'll open the relay. Right. When so do we get into the farts, it. Curtis? I'm going to yeah. load in a fart program. Blank the screen uh, when he comes on. I'm about to take his pants off. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I was promised okay. farts. This is almost as bad as, as, as leaky. Uh, leaky. Oh, look at that. <laughs> All is well. So to demonstrate, I won't be... Uh, Farting on camera for you. Oh. Oh. To be perfectly honest with you, trying to force that kind of thing usually results in a situation where you don't need a fart detector to tell you what's wrong. Never <laughs> trust um, one. But Haynes will be happy with you. Of those. So to oh get around this little situation, I have some smoke detector tester, which I'm just going to shoot into it. Um, for photoelectric detectors, this is enough. Um, butane also works particularly well, but methane even better. So let's give it a shot. As you can see, the color computer again says all is well. Let's see what happens. <laughs> oh no. David detected. detected. Everyone should take heed of the alarm and evacuate immediately to the nearest clean air space. By the way, this can be ported to OS Learn. The alarm is not <laughs> yeah, this good. permanently latching. It will unlatch the relay after the... Then you can set up multitasking and have, you know, fart detectors in different rooms of the house, you know, where the person who's farting is going. There we go. That's right. Can't so do that on well, 6502. Ready for the next alarm. What was that, Mark? I can hit it with a butane and make it work. Is he going to have the source code and the uh, the hardware so design on GitHub? I don't know if I can do it, but I have a can of butane. He usually does, so I'd imagine he probably is, but this would require the, the hardware fingers here and schematic, too, so I'm not sure... I thought that said egg on the side of that thing. For yep, there we go. He sprayed egg gas into it. Sulfur. <laughs> this time I think he sprayed this butane into it. out a little so. faster. And to be honest, the way this really works is it's just an oxygen sensor. And anything that displaces the oxygen will change the value that the sensor puts out. And what I do is I take a rolling average so that minute changes in air, moisture, anything like that doesn't cause the alarm to go off. I don't have fixed numbers in there. Instead, it takes a rolling average, and then if the a value detected is suddenly a couple of standard deviations greater than the average, it throws the alarm. It's not the most complex algorithm in the world, but it's good enough for this. And Anyway, you get the idea. Yep. That's cool. Thank God we don't have smell vision on the show. Um, <laughs> he needs to have a uh, sound chip on that and uh, have it really uh, have some interesting sounds. <laughs> for the alarm. Yeah, some digitized sound effects for the alarm. Yeah, that would be pretty interesting. Hey, I thought it was a fascinating uh, and, and, and cheekily done uh, oh, hardware funny. software project. Cheekily did very yeah. funny. Spread, yeah. spread the cheeks and do the detect. That's basically what it is. So, <laughs> so when was this well, released? We laughed at fart jokes when we were 16 years old and we're still laughing at them. <laughs> I'm being especially sophomore because Steve's hat inspired me. Take a whiff, Coco Talk. Uh, <laughs> anyway, on to the next more serious story. He does also demonstrate in the video, I should mention, uh, that after the quote-unquote room clears, it actually will go back to a normal state, so it actually does detect once the oxygen has come back into the area by the detector. You can breathe again. <laughs> Do you have any... David has chats. left the building. <laughs> it's, it's basically a thing where you, you can tell how long you have to hold your breath, I think, is basically what it's used for. So. I, think we cleared, I think we cleared the room. <laughs> how many people are still watching on YouTube? I don't know. <laughs> or better yet, listening and smelling. Coco Le Pew. If someone farts and no one's around here, does it make a sound? 
This is definitely not the high tech portion of the show. Well, it is. <laughs> or the high brow section. Yeah. <laughs> uh, next up, we got. Section, <laughs> next up, we got uh, Phil Kruman, who's got a channel uh, that he does uh, classic and modern computer stuff of, of various wide ranging topics. In this case, he does a video uh, doing a case restoration for a Coco 2, but without using Retrobrite and without using chemicals. Or knowing how to spell computer. Ah! Oh, yeah. He's, he's not North American, I will say he that. He took the U from he computer U, stuck yeah. in color. He put it in, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Compter case, yeah. yeah. He's, he's good He's good at, at you know fixing up computer cases. I didn't say he was good at spelling. <laughs> I want to color Compter, too. <laughs> anyway, so he used to go around. He had a Coco 2 that he picked up that actually has not just discoloration, but it also had some like scratches and stuff there. And he kind of goes through, and it's a fairly long video, so I'm not going to play too much of it. But he goes through how he restored it, and he doesn't do the retrobrite thing. He has experiment with the, the sunlight stuff, so he actually you know tells you how to specifically use certain types of brushes and whether they have to be damp or whatever to get rid of some of the nicks and scratches. So I'll just play a little machine. And as you can see, the uh, the case itself really does need seeing to and sorting out because it is in a bit of a state. Right in the back, you've got more damage, more scuffs, more nicks, more dents. Retrobrite won't get this out. More nicks. You know, so it needed a lot <laughs> more work on one side, and it's fine on the other. And it's um, mainly used for refinishing, and it's light enough to sand along the machine just like this. Don't put any pressure on it, just be very gentle with it and it'll start bringing the colour up and also taking out some of those dents and nicks as you go. You don't have to force it. It will do it naturally if you just don't press on it too hard. <laughs> Remember the, the sponge has to have a little bit of moisture. It's an interesting video of, of how to restore a case a bit beyond just the discoloration part. And yeah. it's somebody that I've not seen do cocoa stuff before, so hopefully he'll do some other cocoa things in the future too. So, so is he using? Is it like wet and dry? Is it like really fine grit stuff? Yeah, he's using yeah. He, he goes into explanation of it a bit earlier. So if you want to watch the whole video, like I said, sixty yeah. minutes, he goes into you know the, the chemical composition, what happens when you try to do retrobite versus you know doing something else, and what happens to the plastic when you do that, and et cetera, et cetera. So it yeah, gets right. pretty technically detailed. Yeah. Okay. Cool stuff. <laughs> Next up, uh, Petsass Jim, who he did all the dragon games. Um, he actually did go back and do a couple dragon games. I think he wasn't able to run properly the first time around. Uh, well, one game in particular. But he also, he's been lately doing all the utilities and word processors, that type of thing, which I will let you guys go check his page for most of that stuff. Because, you know, viewing word processors here is almost as exciting as talking about Nitrous 9 Live um, <laughs> or DriveWire or something like that. So. But this one kind of struck out to me because I've seen a lot of Cocoa programs that are kind of based on this. This is the where you could actually have a machine language subroutine that would draw characters on the graphics screen. So you could do text, you know, with lowercase and uppercase, different screen resolutions. Um, and we had like the solution. We had screen 64. There was a bunch of them here. But this is one that was on the Dragon Market that I don't remember seeing before called Pixel Writer. And um, it's just basically this is the demo program. It's not the explanation of how it all works and stuff, but it kind of show you what its capabilities were. I thought it was kind of interesting to see. It runs about a minute and then it repeats, so I'll just stop it after that. So give have instructions if you want to actually use the program yourself. I'll fast forward just a bit. 
So you can switch between screen mode section. Maybe I'll rewind that just a bit so you can see the color version. So some different size fonts. What's so funny, Nick? Said disc picks. <laughs> uh, you want to be careful when you're showing off your disc picks. Exactly. You're being soft and mark, Nick. I know. <laughs> I think that's a good public service thing. You know, think it through before you pronounce it. Hey, for any of you basic programmers that want to do the fancier stuff on some of the higher P mode screens and have different resolutions, because this does 32, 42, 51 characters per line. Um, this this program has all those fonts built in and also has the uh, you know custom graphic characters and stuff too. So you can uh, you know do some animation kind of like you do in the Coco VGA type stuff without having to actually get the hardware. Like you see some of the planes and trains much, and other things, chess pieces, etc. How much RAM does it take uh, from the system? Um, it, it runs, it'll run in 16K, though your basic program won't be too big, because it takes four pages to hold the fonts in memory, uh, which is 6K, and then your PMOD 4 screen itself, or PMOD 3 screen, depending what color you want, uh, takes another 6K, so you know it'll run in 16K barely, but basically it would be 32K RAM required. Okay. Pretty good. And next up, Dragon Data Archive on YouTube. It's a channel I don't think I've seen before. Has a video on how to detect and repair upper RAM problems on a Dragon 32 Mark II board. And he actually goes through using peaks and pokes to figure out. Like this is supposed to be a Dragon 32, 32K, and he does a print memory. He's only getting 8K. So what? You know what? What's up with that type thing? Do here is do some poking into the memory. Because we can use the Dragon as a diagnostic tool. We, we don't need anything special because the machine is actually up and running. So I've chosen 3000. That's a nice safe bit of memory. It's in the graphics area that's normally reserved. And that's in the lower 16K of memory. So what we're going to do, we'll poke in the zero and peek. So take a look at what we get back out. So this will be all the bits off. And we get back zero. This is very good. So we'll poke in 255. Which is Just all the bits set. Bit there. Dragon, this is a... We've poked into five. The lower part of the memory is working, and especially we know 3000 is working. So what we'll do now is we'll... Poke and this is where you can actually use basic in this particular case to actually diagnose a real hardware problem. And see what we get back at. So oh. this is zero. This will be all the bits off. And we'll peek it back out and see what value we get back. In this instance, we got 64. Oops. That looks like we've just got one bit stuck on the in the memories. Out of the eight data bits, it looks like one bit is is actually stuck bit on. So six. what we'll do now is we'll also do a poke two yeah. five five in. So he uses that Before to diagnose that there's a problem with the RAM. For the machine then he kind of goes through the schematic that came with it. Eight memory chips in this. And we've got the lowest sixteen k and. And here he has a nice little map of the motherboard. <laughs> showing what bits are controlled on the lower K and the upper 16K right on the motherboard. And you can see that each chip is dedicated to one row of bits. So he mentions like in a specific case here, exactly which chip needs to be replaced based on the peaks and pokes he's done. So you don't have to replace all of them. You actually just know it's, you know, 
whatever chip it was. I think it's D6 on the uh, upper 16K, which in this case would be IC number 37, second from the left in the yellow area. And he actually does, you know, replace the chip, and then he does the same peaks and pokes and shows that it works properly now. So I thought that was kind of interesting because it actually shows you, as long as it's not so screwed up that you can't boot basic properly, that you can actually diagnose a hardware problem down to a specific RAM chip using the built-in peak and poke commands in Microsoft Basic. I suppose it all depend on which uh, which RAM chip was faulty, and and, you know. Yeah, it doesn't work. Like if your lower 16K has got a problem, well, obviously Basic's going to screw up and crash. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If it's free RAM, we can, you know. Well, it depends on where it is. If it was a control line, then the entire bit on all the chips would be bad. But, yeah. You know, as it is, yeah, it's well, an individual chip and individual, individual memory location or locations. So. Yeah. And a little later in the video, he actually takes the Dragon diagnostic ROM card, which is kind of like the diagnostic card we had for the Coca 1 and 2, which unfortunately they never updated after the original Coca came out, so it didn't detect RAM past 16K. But uh, because that's running off the ROM, if the RAM is a bit worse off, you can still diagnose it using that pack. And then using schematics like this, you can actually figure out exactly what chips to replace. So I thought that was kind of an interesting, cool way of, of checking for stuff. And also he actually shows you how to do the repair and stuff as well. So it write a, a little utility for next loop sort of thing with a print statement and you know, find out, let it uh, load and, and peak, you know, poke and peak the, uh, sequentially everything until it finds a faulty um yeah, a faulty address. Anyway, we've, we've seen RAM test programs that kind of do this for you too, but this is just way if you don't have one handy and you can't load it for whatever reason, then at least you have another way to, to check. Yep, yep. Now yeah, this next cool. one, I didn't get a chance to go through this too closely, but uh, Lee Perkins on Facebook uh, posted some C source code that he's used to do some test-driven development on the Cocoa using CMOC, which is a C compiler that's been used for the, the uh, Spectrum conversions and stuff amongst other things. Um, I didn't get a chance to really look at too much of it here. There's kind of a description on the screen, and I'm, I'm not that familiar with CMOC and TDD, so I can't really comment on it. I'm hoping maybe one of you guys did. Maybe you had a chance to take a look at it. Anybody? Mm. <laughs> nope. Okay. Anyway, any rate, uh, definitely check it out. A couple of people are just, you know, saying it's brilliant and great work, and, and they're both programmers, so that's... Uh, I would say a positive sign. That's a pretty good article to read. And then also to look at the C source code that he uploaded on Facebook. Cool. Next up, uh, Bruce Moore is asking for some help. He's trying to get a test on MAME running, emulating a cocoa, but he wants to have the disk ROM cartridge mounted and another ROM cartridge mounted at the same time and be able to access it. So uh, between him and Barry Nelson, they kind of went through and figured out the command line options to do such a thing. And then you can actually have it boot up under disk ROM and have it switched to the hardware in another virtual slot on a virtual hardware cartridge. You can access it through kind of what Bill and I were talking about before with, you know, strapping our Q lines and stuff because you normally have to program which slot in the multipack you're doing. The problem is if you have a ROM cartridge that also has extra hardware on it, there's two different things you can control. Where's the ROM getting mapped from into the Cocoa, which slot, and also where's the hardware responses coming from a which slot. And those are independently programmed. So when he was trying it originally, he'd mount the disk controller with its own ROM. He'd mount this you know, virtual hardware with its own ROM. And as soon as he switched to the other hardware, that ROM would take over. So disk basically went bye-bye. And he was trying to figure out, well, how can I program or how can I set up MAME to boot up so I can be in disk basic 
but still have access to that hardware. And they kind of went through and figured it out. So if any of you guys are doing stuff like that, you want to say program the Orc 90 pack or the speech sound pack or something, they kind of explain what needs to be done. So that's, that's pretty good information to have if you're into development. Uh, next step, uh, with help from the Cocoa Facebook community, Alan Leno, Lino, I'm not sure to pronounce it, replaced RAM on a Cocoa 2 he acquired and got it working again. So he's got some, and actually this is kind of related to the Dragon one, it's kind of the same thing. They were trying to determine, like, he's got this board here, he's got the eight RAM chips on it, and when he powers up the Cocoa, he gets stuff like this, which indicates some stuck bits, and it's not quite working correctly. Yeah, and uh, basically they were trying to track down the same as the dragon video did you know, what ram chip and finally he just got impatient he just ordered you know eight new rams because he was waiting for sockets to re-socket <laughs> it and he just replaced them all and uh, the end result is it actually works so he's got a working coco too. I was just like I need other yeah <laughs> and coco one and two stuff too so next up uh Diego, he's been showing us that uh, strategy game with the three chips. You're on the load. You're trying to load the ships with cards and stuff. It's a low res game, uh, kind of arcadeish strategy game. And he's got a couple of high res or high, more high resolution screens used for you know when you lose the game or win the game type thing. And in this case, he was trying to make it so that using P mode three, various color combinations for his you know his dying screen, like your ship is sunk, as to what color combination and what screen uh, color set mode works the best given the limitations of the original BDG. And I thought it would be kind of fun to, you know, display them on here and have you guys kind of select on air what you guys think looks like the best one. So I'll go through them in order. So there's first one in color set one. This first one in color set zero. No. Color set zero, alternate colors. Much Uh, more readable text, I think. Yeah. No. (laughs) Better. No. So I think no. we're rotating through them again here. Personally, there's two that I think look the best. I'm not quite sure which one I would pick. That one or that one. Yeah. Personally, I think the yellow looks a little that bit one. easier to read. Yeah. Is that general agreement again? on the panel? Try the other one again. Check out my GI doctor. Well, I kind of like, oh, I think I like that yeah, I like the yellow. Yes, yeah, I, like, I don't know. They're both, it's close to call. Either one would be. Yeah, they're pretty close. It's like comparing buzzer bait with Lancer. Oh, here I am talking. And yeah, so I'll go the opposite of criticism. Mike muted. <laughs> I, was just, I was saying, <laughs> agreeing with you guys, and I'm thinking, oh, no one's <laughs> got my mic muted. <laughs> I think you're muted, uh, Curtis. Oh, sorry, I am muted. Sorry about that. <laughs> so, Diego, if you're watching this at this point, uh, it looks like we have a general consensus. Yep. Yeah. Coco Chuck seal of approval. Yeah, so, I'd probably go with the uh, more. It's it more does, easily yeah. readable. Yeah. So anyway, uh, Diego will all be expecting residuals from when you start selling this awesome <laughs> game. So um, no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Next up, uh, Chad Edward had start, started talking about Outhouse, and he shows the original Tier City Model 1 here, and then he showed some weird pictures he'd found on the net 
involving UFOs and outhouses. Which apparently, this is a theme beyond the game. Put that fire detector in there. <laughs> yeah, that'd be a good idea. Never get a moment of peace. <laughs> anyway, Nick, you've worked with Erico on some of these semi-graphics type stuff here for doing some uh, adventure games in the lower graphics modes. So he did a mock-up using Photoshop that he's done this in. And then, of course, Jim Gary, within moments, actually oh, did one on the MC-10. If I can <laughs> zoom that up here. But uh, that's that's kind of uh, a more hyped-up background for an outhouse game in low-res graphics, where you got the outhouse yeah. instead, but you've got trees and you know skyline at dawn and or dusk, I guess, depending. Yeah, I thought cool. that'd be pretty make an inch, pretty interesting version of Autos. You could actually do in the MC10 or on a, a lower end uh, yeah. Coco, maybe in a 4K. We should have a competition. Uh, submit it for the Coco Fest. Who can do the best outhouse in basic? Yeah, if we talk to Chris, we can actually have him give a fart detector out to the winner. <laughs> be very appropriate, I think. You can use you can number one uh, Nick tool for more colors. This stinks. Yeah, well, good. Yeah, you could. Except that would be harder to write the game in basic then because your page flipped. Oh, I guess you have a driver for no, it. No, no, it's already uh, done. But you'd have to port it to the MC10. Yeah, that's the problem. So, <laughs> Anyways, I mean, one thing Erico is really good at is doing these low-res screens with very limited resolution with nine colors and actually coming up with some pretty decent-looking stuff. Mm-hmm. So I hope he actually gets back in that adventure game. Have you heard from Nick on that? Is he? No, I haven't heard anything, no. I know we got busy for a while there, but hopefully he's getting unbusy again. Has that got the uh, link that I put up of the uh, the movie, the real the real outhouse people? I don't know. If, yeah, there it is. <laughs> is that safe to play on here? I don't know. Well, it's it's on YouTube, so you might it's... want to mute it just in case we get uh, hit with the copyright. Oh, if you're going to mute it, you, you got to hear the words. Don't worry about it. Yeah, at any rate, I mean, Marcus posted the link to the, the Facebook yeah, article, yeah. On this, so they can just scroll down and link to it yourself. It's, just, it's, it's a movie back. about protecting an outhouse, so it was very funny. <laughs> and what year did this movie come out? Was this inspired by the game, or was it the other way no, around? No, no, no. It came well after the game. This is uh, It's an Australian movie. You'd know about it, David. Oh, is it not related to the castle, is it? Uh, it's after the castle. Yeah. That's it's, a classic movie. That yeah, yeah. This is this is a this is a funny movie. Yeah. Okay. Have you seen it, uh, David, or just Nick has? I it doesn't sound familiar to me. I might. I probably have seen it. I just don't. The name doesn't sound familiar. But um, you, Castle, you know every, the actor. Everyone in Australia knows you know that. the actor. You can't see it very well there in that little picture. But he's the actor. Um, what's his name again? He's on TV uh, advertising. Uh, Grocery uh, store, commer- various grocery stores here. Is he one of those ones listed as extra Aussie number one type thing? Is that his name? Or? Not sure. If you, if you if you hit play but mute it, then you, you'll see him close up. Okay, I won't play the trailer. I'll just see if I can just. No, nah, no. Nah. If we get a good screenshot of his face, that is. Yeah, I'm waiting to pause it if I can get one. There, there you go. Uh, Do you recognise him? No, I don't. No, oh, he, he's he's well, pretty well known. Paul I don't remember TV antenna. <laughs> oh, I can't say I recognise him. But... <laughs> look at the look at the link, uh, and you'll yeah, you might. When I see the video, I'll probably go. Oh, yeah, yeah, that's what I mean. Yeah, I'll yeah, leave yeah. that as an exercise to the viewer. Yeah, yeah, but this is that that's real life outhouse. That movie. <laughs> <laughs> What's the movie called? Is it Kenny. called Outhouse, is it? 
Kenny. Kenny. Let's let's revisit the this at the Coco Caboose. Let's move to the next one. <laughs> yeah. Next and last one for the news, actually. Our second last, I guess. The last one that's actually got a link. Uh, so Erica, who we mentioned before, did the, the graphics that we were showing in the previous story there. Uh, got this book, and it's a ser- series of books, I guess, that had programs done for various micro, APID micros back in the day. And he'd noticed that it had a list of the Coco clones in Brazil, and there was a couple he hadn't heard of. Now, we've heard of the Codemex. We've actually seen it at the Brazilian show that we've actually streamed here on, on Coco Talk before. And the CP400 is a rather famous one, too. But the TKS800 and the oh, BC50, the he hadn't heard of. And he's actually from down around there. So I, I definitely haven't heard of them. Have any of you guys heard of these other alternative mm. Coco clones? No. Nah. So that's, that's rather interesting. I, I didn't realize, like, I know they had clones there because they had that whole law system set up that you couldn't import other people's hardware. You had to build it in, in Brazil in order to sell it. But I had no idea they had that many clones of, of the Coco. So apparently it was hugely popular there indirectly. And that's it for the sharing uh, stuff here. Now, the other one is the one I mentioned with Stevie before. There was a post that he Stevie forwarded on on the list and also on Facebook. And I'll just read the original email um, from Carl Ludeman about the digitization here. This was sent out on February 6th and I'll just uh, read it out here. Just let me get one cough out of the way. Subject digitizer to OG Stevie Stroke. I had a TRS-80 color computer as early as 1983. My brother bought one before that. It's still my favorite computer I ever owned. Sometime around then I bought a video digitizer. I'm assuming the DS69B probably, or the DS69 original. I made a digitized image of my brother's youngest son that he had on the wall of his office at Los Alamos for many years. His son was the second to last surviving member of a special operations group of the army. He has now died at the age of 38. His name is Eric Ludeman, or Ludeman, I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. I still have a copy of the original video on DVD of when Eric posed to be digitized. I was wondering if anyone in the general cuckoo community would have the means to reproduce the digitized image on a dot matrix printer that I could gift to his father, mother, widow, and two young sons. I told his mother I was going to try to get this done. It would be a complete surprise to his father and the rest of his family. Any help would be greatly appreciated. And there's uh, another link here, um, Mark, if you've got the notes there, to um, Colorado State University in memory of Eric Ludman. That kind of has some details. Thanks so much for the help. The, any help the commu- Coco community can provide, I could send a DVD or transmit a copy of the video if someone could help. And I think that's a really nice tribute to give to the family, especially it's considering it's based on something they'd done years and years ago. And I don't have a dot matrix printer myself anymore. I know, Mark, you said you do, but you don't have a way to print to it from the Coco. And we're hoping maybe somebody well, like somebody in the chat, like Al Hartman or some other else might be able to Al, I think this. has all the hardware he needs. Ron, does Ron DelVoe got a dot matrix printer? He probably does. Well, a, I was hoping he was going to be yeah, on today, actually. But. It wouldn't surprise me if he's got one and got all the wings to use it, too. Right. Well, let's go to Joey and Coco, and um, if you could pull that up, Chris, uh, and I'll go to Game On. I'll do this week. And appear to be a new Joey and Coco. But you can go there if you want. Uh, there doesn't? Uh, no, I don't think there was. Uh, somebody said there was a new one. Oh, did Mark said there wasn't. Oh, there wasn't. Oh, I thought someone said there was, too. <laughs> okay. Let's let's go to game on. We have a special well, announcement. Uh, here we go.
Well, Nick, did you want to do the announcement first, or do you want me to do the regular game on segment first, or? Um, Since he kind of introduced you right now, maybe we should. Yeah, he introduced me, so I'll I'll go ahead and do it. uh, Okay, so we had a suggestion from uh, Mr. Dave Eight Hundred Nine. He thought it'd be cool if we started the uh, just a fun, friendly uh, games competition where every every week we'd have we'd uh, have a game. I I guess I would nominate it and uh, positive night. I was just gonna say that. <laughs> <laughs> and in the interest of not getting lynched, it will not be buzzer beat this week. Um, but we we pick a game and we just play it and um, submit our high scores in, in the Discord. It just, right. Now, this the submitting high scores, you mean sending a screenshot of the screenshot? Actual, yeah, like not Correct. just you know, oh, I scored five million no, in Axon. No, me. a screenshot. <laughs> like if it's a, if it's an emulator, you take a screenshot, and if it's your actual Coco, you take a picture and screen. And uh, we'll and stick it in Photoshop uh, and change the numbers. <laughs> no, I was gonna. I was debating whether to say this or not, but we're on the honor system. So I think another way you can do it too is if you have it, so you have to submit a video of the entire game you played to prove you did. That would be good. <laughs> What's that guy's dot com guy's name? Billy, whatever. He's not allowed to take part. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I mean, emulators can be faked and pictures can be faked. So obviously, it's just for it's just for fun. So. I'm hoping I would just, uh, you know, keep it the spirit of good nature, uh, and no, no cheating. So, can can other people submit ideas for a game for future episodes, or are you totally in control of that yourself? Or do you want to do that? Um, no, I'm all for getting. I mean, because I haven't played every game out there. Like, I played a lot of games as a kid, but I'm sure there's some some gems I've missed. So, yeah, absolutely. If anybody has uh, suggestions, well, was uh, it strictly going to be arcade games too, or is this going to include like adventure games? Well, it has to be completed? games that you can monitor, measure some sort of score. So I think adventures probably not be well suited. Um, okay, because some of the adventure games used to have it. You've, you've scored 300 points out of 500 because you found these items, but you missed these or something like that. So I don't Yeah, know that's, that's possible. That's definitely possible. Like I said, I, I didn't tend to play those myself, so I don't want to limit. Uh, you know, there could be some really fun games up there that appeal to some people that uh, may not necessarily appeal to me, so it's not all about me. Okay, so, and then my last question for you, um, because of your obvious bias towards wow. Coco 1 and 2 games, <laughs> are you allowing Coco 3 games in this list? Well, here's the thing. We can play through emulators, so yes. Uh, if, I, if, we, if we pick a Coco 3 game and somebody doesn't have a Coco 3, then they can play it in DCC or Um So yeah, obviously, it's going to be Coco 3 games. I like the Coco 3. You guys know, are like twisting my words. But, uh, <laughs> and, and Buzzard Bait will show up eventually. But it will not be this week. Like I said, I do not want to get. Uh, I don't as long as Lancer follows it or comes before. Lancer be may even. Lancer will also appear because I'm not biased. Right, well, the anticipation is like not at all. You, like some of you clowns. Well, I'm committing no, to, to joining the contest. Uh, what's the game that we're working on next week? And, and can you do a demo of Discord and show us where to post it? So uh, this week, if I could do a screen share. I've got it running in my uh, in VCC. This week will be. Can you see that? Yep. Donkey, Donkey King. King. And uh, I did a little. Uh, so according to a a, a well known um, website, uh, Donkey King is one of the most famous games the Coco One Two that the Coco One and Two ever had. The first game that actually put all the other clones on all other home computers to shame, which I totally agree with. This was 
the version of Donkey Kong when we were kids. Now, we will do the Donkey Kong remix uh, down the road, but I thought it'd be fun to start with a, a true Coco classic game. So, uh, okay. there's no options in this game. It's, uh, it's just like there's no skill level, so you just play it. Well, there's uh, the practice mode if you want 12 minutes instead of three. I'm assuming you want just the three man. Yeah, version. yeah. Standard, standard mode, uh, three men. And uh, and do you have restrictions on joysticks? Like, are you allowed to use more modern game pads if you want? Do you have to restrict it to the hardware of the time, like at Black Beauty or Craft Deluxe? Or nah, I think I think I I thought my I didn't initially think it'd be a problem with allowing game pads and stuff. I mean, we all have access to them, whether we have them or not. But um, because I mean, the thing is, if you're playing on an emulator, you're going to be using a game pad. So or keyboard. Uh, I've actually done some games that way. Or too. keyboard. So no, I think any any controller you want to use. Okay. Uh, just as long as it's uh, the, the and the ROM is available uh, in the usual places, and uh, if yeah. we do a live version of this at the Coco Fest, which would be kind of fun, maybe we could even have the advanced, you know, difficult level where you have to use a Black Beauty no matter what. Yeah, <laughs> but I mean, you know, these people may not have Black Beauty. Some people may only have the deluxe. We're trying to make people want to play. This <laughs> so, uh, how about yeah. you have to tie both hands behind your back and play with your tongue? Yeah. <laughs> the one thing I'm not sure of is okay. So you have to go to, so wow. you join Discord, which is totally free. And are we going to use the existing high uh, yes. game high score yes. channel? Yes, we might rename the group actually, just to make it you know game on. Uh, what was the name we came up? Game on Spotlight or something like that. Game they cover high scores yeah. in general as well as scores for the actual week's game. So uh, yeah, it's just for fun. There's no prizes. There's no just bragging oh, rights. Fun. Prizes. Something to encourage. Uh, um, well, maybe we get a free copy of Nightmare <laughs> Highway or something. Free Vegemite. I heard Nick might give away Gunstar, right, Nick? Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, cro- oh, Crockstar Pilot. <laughs> Crockstar Pilot. Crockstar Pilot. There we go. So you basically have all week until uh, next yeah. until say like an hour before next show. Time. Nick, can you can you show us uh, Discord and just uh, show us the the channels and go down to the high score channel just to give oh. us a little uh, visual advertisement of what Discord is and how you find it. And Mark, if you can, maybe just post the general link to Discord for those people that are not on it yet, so as to where to go yes. to to join up to the no Coco problem. server. I did did shoot the link to uh, Donkey King on that El Curtis Boyle game site. That you know. Oh, don't link to that loser's site, jeez. I know. I'm sorry. <laughs> Take it out of my pay this week. Hold on, Mister. Make sure I got this. That was a good game pick, though. It's uh, that's definitely a classic, and it was the first one that I ever played that. Besides Astro Blast, that had the full artifact and colors, and also was just you know a superior game to other clones on other machines. Absolutely, and I have to tell you, Buzzard Bait did not even enter my radar for the game. Because, like I said, I yeah, Lancer should have, but yeah. <laughs> uh, all right. Yes, I'm. I'm I can share. Uh, let me bring up my. Sorry. And, and while you're doing that, um, Nick, we can decide whether we want to do a, uh, a spotlight on the actual game and the author and how the game came to be. And we could do that next week when we post the high yeah. scores. Yeah, we could definitely do that. I might okay. need, I might, uh, I don't know if uh, a gaming historian who wants to give me put on that. But, we, we can uh, see yeah. your screen. Can you give us a little um, highlights so of is, the... So this is Discord. 
Now, currently, I don't know if you want to. So right now, this is high, the high score screenshots. So when you join Discord, uh, you're going to see the Tandy Color Computer uh, group is what you'll join. And then under there is a bunch of challenges. I got some that you won't, that generally people, some people may not have access to. But, uh, is that what Discord looks like on PC? Scroll down to the bottom under games to see high score screenshots where we just had some, we've been doing some for just for fun. And that's actually what kind of spurred this. I posted a screenshot of buzzer bait. Uh, just <laughs> and, uh, and Mr. Dave plug, Superman picked plug. up on that and thought it'd be kind of cool if we did it as a community, just kind of focus on a game, uh, play it for the like week. Like Buzzard Bite? Well, eventually. <laughs> it's like Lancer, yeah. <laughs> is Buzzard Bite going to become the game, the game version of Color Scripted, is it? <laughs> I was thinking Color Scripted. We might have a typing contest one week. It's typing tutor. Yeah. <laughs> Who can type the fastest? Exactly. I got 50 And you have to use the original chiclet keyboard. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, I've got an Ed Snyder keyboard. That might make it easier. <laughs> And extra points for good-looking printouts. Now, Nick, I, I did want to, like, we, when we've interviewed the Amigas, we were talking about possibly doing a cross-pollination thing where we could share something on our show with a game that they've picked or vice versa. Now, I don't want to do this for every week or anything, obviously, because otherwise it's just, you know, writing on the tailcoats of each other. But I was thinking maybe, like, once a month or once every couple months, maybe we could sync up between them and they, their community of Cocoa users can join in on the high scores and we can kind of do a cross-pollination. Sure. Cross we can both discuss the same game, and, and they do their review, and we do our history of it, or whatever. And so this and is a game everybody that can compete friendly, like to do the scores. I think that's a great idea. This is a game that the Migos Retro guys already did cover, um, and uh, one of them got it wrong. That's okay. Um, one of them liked it, one of them didn't, and uh, <laughs> so yeah. So this one's already been done by Migos Retro Gaming, but yeah, I, I think that's a great idea. Okay, so next week. Donkey King, a.k.a. The King. Post your high score to Discord. Show time to get your screenshots. And uh, we'll figure out who got the high score, and we will give them props. And in the interest of fairness, um, the, the... Whoop. Yep. Uh, in the interest of fairness... We don't do things in the fairness. You pull the plug on yourself, Curtis. No one's interested in fairness. Finally. Somebody shut up Curtis Boyle. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're still muted. No more OS9 talk. Thank goodness. Bite <laughs> <laughs> your tongue. I'm still here. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, I think we have some more game on no, segment. No, but uh, no anything OS9 else you want to? I can tell you that much. <laughs> so, Nico, that means that something like Bedlam is not going to qualify because there's really no score. You just no get score. That's the problem. Yeah. I mean, uh, I guess you could do time. But then even that Bedlam wouldn't be good because there's yeah, Bedlam doesn't really have scores. Uh, but for other games, I guess we could do time based. Yeah, you can have to put Tetris in there sometime. But you can't really do a screenshot of your time. (laughs) This is is the development in progress. I mean, well, yeah, we'll kind of work it out as we go. No, this is my favorite game. (laughs) I I was I was talking about the 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 video on my site earlier, and I think my mic might have cut out. So I don't know if you guys did. You said in just the fairness, and you were gone. Oh yeah, okay. You, you guys got that. I just want to make sure because my mic actually disconnected and it popped up a message. So I didn't know if you guys heard that or not. We didn't hear the bit jump. after the fairness thing. We only heard the. Did we said thank God no more was nine talk. Anyway, uh, in the interest of fairness, <laughs> what? Oh, there's a, there's a video on on my YouTube channel about doing the super jump on the rivet screen. Oh, okay. Where you can actually pop all four rivets in one jump, on one side. 
Well, so some of know, us know that trick, and I wanted to make sure that everybody has the opportunity for that so they don't – we yeah, don't have an advantage. Yeah. I think it's fair game to use stuff like that. If the game can do it without being hacked, then do it. So, yeah. Yeah. No, I just want to make sure that other people are aware because some people didn't know that existed. No, I didn't either. Aspect. That's good. So where is that? On my YouTube channel. Okay. So if you guys want to take, make, want to take a peek at that, guys, make sure that uh, – Okay. Alan Huffman actually has an easier way to do it than my video has. He actually made a comment on my YouTube channel about it too. So read that as well if you're into oh, Does that help your score or just your time? Well, because you get bonus based on how long it takes you oh, to level, it would help you will gain some points. Yeah. That's true. Dave says, in the interest of fairness, Curtis must use a sealed ROM cart. No extra code. Oh, yeah. We had to put restrictions on Curtis. That's right. Yes, use Black Beauty. With the uh, with his opposite hand, <laughs> and he has and he's sixty eight oh nine, and he's got to use it with his feet. Sixty eight oh nine. Still weird. Poke six five four nine four. <laughs> no, there's the Paul Paul Flair is a better game player than I am generally, so I, I'm not that major advantage here. Liar. <laughs> Anything else for game, game on, on Curtis? That, yeah. What's that? Any other game on updates? <laughs> yes. I'll have to do another screen share and also bring up the right window. Chat amongst yourselves for a second or two or I'll bring it up. <laughs> you on the mics. That was riveting chat. Thanks. I'll see if Neo wants to join in a meow a little bit. His name keeps coming up. <laughs> okay, so... First one up, uh, Jim Gary released a couple of videos. So the first one is called Space Muscle. He made a Cocoa version. This was inspired by a NEC PC 6001 game, but it's not a pure clone. So it's inspired by, but not game. And I think he's actually shown this for the uh, MC10 before. <laughs> the cat's commenting. I think it likes it. Yeah, I heard mouse. Yeah, it's just, uh, wait, what? Some of these cats going nuts. <laughs> No, he heard me talking about having a chat before the conversation and joining in. He said, yeah, I'll join in. Yeah. There's not much sound in this game, but I just realized I don't think I turned the uh, shared sound again. Yeah, I can hear Yeah, I'm sound. hearing it. I'm hearing the oh, you are? Clips. Okay, good. Yep. Didn't think I'd shared it. So that's his, his first uh, entry there. Nicely presented for a, a low-res game there with the you know, high score and stages and stuff on the left. And then a second one is an MC10 one. It's a port of the Silverton Adventure game that appeared in the second Rainbow Book of Adventures um, and requires the 16K upgrade or the MCX 128K. So it's a, a longer adventure game in text. Uh, but it's another new new one for the MC10. So you know, he's contributing to the MC10 library. He's probably at 500 or something now at this point. Standard text adventure game. I was hoping Stevie would still be on this the call for this one because the next batch is three uh he mentioned last week he's going to put these up and it's uh three coco gameplay videos that he recorded with his daughter megan four years ago when she was seven and, and then him and, and megan you know at her current age and reviewed these videos uh, how she reacted now they had put them up because they had bloopers as they said um so they're quite entertaining uh, to do and i think one of them the shark treasure game they actually tried playing again because uh, megan wanted to try it again now and just like her dad, she rage quit after a while because it was just wasn't going well. So <laughs> very amusing. So they did uh, double back or downline, I should say, first. 
I'll just play a little short clip in the middle here. Player two, it's now your turn, Damon. Hold your stick the right way. Okay, I just want to make sure you know which way you're holding it. Get ready, player two. So we can take turns interactively on this. Or is it the same stick, maybe? Maybe it's the same stick. I mean, back to the gameplay, maybe. Jumping, you can't. You can't. And Stevie can probably replay these next week as well. Yeah, if he wants to. I just wanted to show a quick clip of each. So. Mm -hmm. It was just fun watching both of the reactions to a video they recorded four years ago. So that's Downland. Then they did Double Back. Okay, one. If you can draw circles around, oh, I never got those colors. If you can circle, it's a one. Ready? It's your turn. So it's the way it controls. Oh, you do now with Coco BGA. Yeah, don't move the stick too hard or too fast. You can, you can. You said to wait thirty-five years. That's all. I move slower. So you can do very gentle moves on this stick. And then the last one they did was Shark Treasure, which they actually did do a modern play of as well. Now I need to try to get all the way back up to the top without getting bitten. Oh, this seems and that's to be it. Easy. I have one. Now let's try it again. Now if they get close to you, so you can... Skip ahead to the modern play. I don't know. And Brought to you by Edible. Save that for when it's like about. We're gonna bite you like that. <laughs> this is still one of my Shark. favorite original games. Oh, I said you're just making them change directions. But sharks. Uh, what are the sharks right, swimming in? Green slime. <laughs> well, it's obviously polluted water, you know. So <laughs> they're blue sharks too. So they must be radioactive. Yeah, well, it's not as if blue wasn't available in this color mode. <laughs> Actually, Nick, this is one we should put on our Coco VGA uh, color and Coco Three color palette. Yeah, change, change the colors. <laughs> now you're out of flashies. How many? Lines anyway, it's just cool to watch the reactions and, and then seeing what Megan Megan laughing at herself basically from four years ago. I've been meaning to watch those. I haven't watched them yet. I haven't had time this week. Yeah, they're 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 entertaining. I definitely have to say they're entertaining. Yeah. Uh, next up, uh, port battles. We've covered these guys before. They haven't done one of the ones that involved the Coco game in a while. So this time they're doing Pac Man. And um, if you can see in the list here, that's all the different versions they cover from arcade, Apple II clones. And these are not just official ports. These are clones as well. Some, some of the channels only do actual official ports, which is why there's not a lot of Cocoa videos because we didn't have a lot of official ports. But they've actually got two you can see down here that are for the Cocoa, and they're both labeled as homebrew. One is Nick Randy's. Now, he actually mentioned that in the video mm. that he tried some of the Cocoa 1 and 2 versions, and he said, you know, none of them are really that good. Oh, there were no good native which, which for the actual Pac-Man, I have to agree. Mrs. Pac-Man, the Tom Mix one wasn't too bad, Mrs. Biggs. Yeah. But the other ones are a little bit, you know, well, they were part of the earlier generation of games, came out 81, 82 type thing, like Pack Attack and Ghost Gobbler, et cetera. So the two they did here, they did Nick's first, and then they did Glenn Hewlett's uh, Transcode. So I'll just play that that little cool. clip part of it there. Gotta fly, guys. Take care. Yeah. Later, Brian. See you, Brian. Bye. So for... My TRS-80 color computer, friends, I tried my best to get into some of the early Pac-Man clones released for that system. And to be honest, they just weren't very, very good. Uh, no offense if one of those happens to be your favorite. Our first look on the TRS-80 color computer 
will be a homebrew release from 1990 as it is. I do believe this one only plays on a Coco 3. Okay. Is it 512K as well? Yes. Because did you digitize these, Nick? I can't remember. Or did you just That was Sam. Yeah. So, yeah. They are from, from a real arcade machine. Yeah, so I'm not sure what he was talking about there. Maybe it's... Not Maybe the right setup wasn't set up right or something. Yeah, that could be too. Or did you maybe slow them down to, to get extra IRQ time or something? Maybe no, they're pretty much the same. Sounds the same to me. Sounds exactly like the arcade. Similar to a few of the other systems, the Coco 3 got a Z80 transcode homebrew in 2017 from Glenn Hewlett. You'll need to supply ROM files for this one to work, but it looks great, <clears throat> sounds great. It's a scroller, but it does show probably three-fourths of the screen, a bit more than your typical scroller, so it's not too bad. I think I had a bit of a glitch here at the beginning, not sure what happened there. Yeah, it's in the lower left somewhere. And you have to be facing a certain direction too, I think. There you can see the scroll effect. Anyway, that was the two Coco ones, and he's got comparisons with a ton of other systems if you want to actually see the whole video. Um, now, his original plan was he was going to actually show... Um, various levels of like showing basically the completion of the first stage for every system. When he finished his compilation of all these systems, the video was over three hours long. <laughs> so we ended up cutting it down to one where he just basically showed you know, a brief 45 second clip or something, but he does have the original three hour version. If you wanted to watch that. Who wants to watch a three hour show? So I figured I'd play that live. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, that's, that's what was the worst panel. one? Sounds like a good filler when we don't have any topic to cover in this show. Atari 2600? <laughs> That'll be Retro Talk tonight. Three hours stream. Of- <laughs> Three hours of- All packed versions. I'd have to say the worst one probably be the original Atari 2600 version, wouldn't it? Yeah, I'd say. Oh, that was terrible. Or maybe the Magnavox Odyssey. There was a homebrew version. Oh, yeah, the Magnavox. Hey, we can come back to this in the Coco Caboose. So is this the last uh, game on? Nope. Okay. Next up, um, NML32. I don't know if that's Roger Taylor or somebody else. He's got a video showing Xenix playing on the Mist, which is the FPGA uh, generic board that actually, as you can see on the screen here, does lots of emulations at the hardware level. Um, and this is using the core that Roger's been working on for the Mr. Coco, which Bill's probably familiar with more than I am. And this is based on his February 7th release of the Coco 3 emulation. And this is showing Xenix running using a USB gamepad and a VJ monitor on a mister. And I have to say the emulation is pretty close because Xenix actually does tax it quite a bit. So I'll fast forward to the actual gameplay. <laughs> Still one of the best games ever made. For the Excellent. Game, to be oh, yes. I don't think I... What is what? Xenix. 120k Coco 3 required. It's kind of like a Super Galaga. 
I guess this is probably oh, the closest approximation. Our quite level quality. <laughs> oh yeah. It's really good. Multi-voice music in the background, great explosion effects, power Very fast. All kind of stuff. Yeah. This is I a good test for a Mr. Coco or any FPGA thing because it's running multiple interrupts simultaneously for 60 frames per second with multi-voice music. And So the Coco 3 did allow you to, to do sound and graphics at the same time, kind of? It made it easier because you can control it with a, a background FIRQ tied to the timer. Okay. That's what Nick uses. That's what Chet uses. That's what Jeremy used and, and a lot of the Coco 3 games used. You could have done this to a limited extent on the Coco 1 and 2 if Tandy had been smart enough to hook the uh, horizontal sync with the FIRQ and not the IRQ. Because they did it backwards from what it should have been, so much overhead's taken up doing an IRQ that using it tied to the H-sync um, leaves you no time to do anything. Unless you do, you know, tricks. Thus it was I'm a good idea, a trick. but it wasn't. I'm, go ahead. It was a good idea, but yeah, it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Simon's kind of done a trick around that you can drop your sampling rate to 7500 hertz because basically you do your irq and then you purposely take more time that you're going to miss the next our our, our next h sync so basically you're doing one every two h syncs but it takes slightly over 50 percent of the cpu time even to do that and it, if they tied it to the frq wow. it would have been much much better <coughs> okay um I think you're muted. Uh. A couple of arcade game uh, updates this time. I think he's been going back and trying to find images that work. Because if you remember from some of them, they didn't work properly. So this is Crazy Paint, originally by Cornsoft Group and then uh, sold by Microdeal. And he does all three of the alternate color sets for PAL. Um, so he's got the black and white, you know, no artifacting at all type thing. And then he's also got the green color set and the white color set. And I thought I'd play a quick little clip of each and then have you guys decide, especially you people in Australia that had to work, deal with PAL, like what would you pick for your color set for this particular game? No color. Yep, so it's got no color at all. You cross hatch and vertical stripes and all that stuff with black and white. And purple and green. At least it's graphics. Alternating. Better than Model 1. Here's Pimo 3, yeah, screen one, try, one. With a green dog, apparently sick with something. Got <laughs> <laughs> the bee virus. Yeah. And the runs, apparently. Those are footprints. He's trying to test with the fire detector. And then the uh, the infamous green one, Nick's favorite color set of all time. Mm, green with envy. <laughs> <laughs> Is he painting the background in green? Is he? Um, <laughs> you get paint? Pick it up. You forgot to pick up the paint. Oh, yeah, that's okay. Right, uh... So anyway, given the limitations of PAL, uh, where you basically had black and white with some really odd purples and what was it purple and green that showed up? Yeah. Yeah. Which didn't quite show on his emulator here or the two official color sets. Which one would you have picked for this game on the panel? The green. I like the middle one. The white. The white color one? Well, I I, I don't know. It's either that or the black and white one because this last one 
I don't know. It's, it's just yeah, it makes you want to gouge your eyeballs out, doesn't it? Well, yeah. yeah, a bit too much green, but mm. I don't know. I, 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 I agree. That... I'd say the white color one was probably my favorite in this particular game. Which normally mm. I don't like that pastelli one, but in this case, I think it honestly does look a little bit better. Nick, oh, you disagree? You prefer the green? You could. I don't know. I just it's not as bright, and it I don't know, it looks a bit more colorful. So it's meant to be crazy painter. Oh, well, I think it needs color. At least there's a bit of yellow and a bit of blue. Which other one's a bit too bright? The best, With yeah. blue and orange, and mm. you know. well, we Has didn't it... actually see it that way, black and white. We saw if we had the color turned yeah. up a bit. Hey, I was going to see what yeah. Ben Drake's uh, said because he was in the UK and, and he he would have so. <laughs> That's... And you can also do that now on the Coco VJ, where you can patch colors. In fact, you have more choice of colors there than you do on the Coco Three. So, a lot of this old pal stuff actually could be it fixed up nowadays. But I guess from what I understand, most TVs these days. In, in the UK and in Australia kind of support both, don't they? Yeah. NTSC, yep. yeah. They, uh, the TV. Done for years, but you actually. still do need an NTSC Coco, though. Yeah. So do the you modern TVs there do not support PAL anymore at all? Or? Oh, they no, do. You, you, they yeah, support, yeah, they support both. You can't, you can't both. plug a PAL, the PAL Coco 1 into an NTSC TV and get artifacting on it because the PAL Yeah, you, you still need an NTSC Coco. Okay. I guess Ben still is in the chat. He actually says he doesn't have a favorite, which I don't know if that means that they're yeah. all equally good or if they all suck. I'm not sure what he's referring to. Yeah, so. probably all suck. <laughs> <laughs> My understanding on the TVs is that they, they just have a single video decoder circuit and it just has Yeah, yeah, nowadays. Yeah. They auto switch. Yeah, auto switch. So it doesn't matter yeah. what you plug in. It doesn't oh, matter. Okay. But yeah, you've got to have an NTSC Coco to start with. Yep. So does does the current TVs, if you have a PAL Coco, does it still give you the olive green and purple, or does it make it? Yeah, clean? yeah, yeah. Because the TV yeah. will switch to PAL. Yeah. Okay, so it still does its its weird yeah. artifacting. Yeah, yeah, it's, it, you don't win. Okay. And the last story I have from the Game On segment. Uh, Richard Kelly uploaded a file to Facebook, which he called the Best of Procure Magazine, which is basically a monthly tape that came with a bunch of programs on it. There's some games, there's some utilities, there's programming tools, all kinds of stuff. It just varied. And later on, they actually got some um, third-party, former third-party commercial games from the likes of Tom Mix and others that they actually would include one of those games each month, too. That was later on, like in the late 80s. So, like, you could get Donkey King one month, and you might get Buzzard Bait the next month, but why you would, I would want to do that, I don't know. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, are we saying something? <laughs> at, at any rate, uh, Andrew Piskursky was one of the ones that did original stuff, or occasionally did clones, and he he was prolific. Yeah, like He did a game, and these are all assembly-language, too. They're small. They made assembly-language games. There was a ton of them. I've got probably about half a dozen on my website, and there's a lot more I haven't even got to yet. So we did stuff like um, Fortress of the Mutant Waffles, Box Shoot, Caterpillar Cave, Robot Bomber, etc. So what Richard did here is he picked some of his favorite ones, and then he made a disc image of what he considers his favorite of the Pekursky games. And I haven't actually had a chance to download this yet, but he's got a few that are not on my site on this on this disc image. And it'd be kind of interesting, maybe as a follow-up for next week, if you guys go through the ones that he's got on this disc image and see what, what is your favorite out of the ones that Andrew did back in the day. And like I said, he was cranking these out like once a month, so it was it was pretty impressive. And most of them original, which is also a cool cool feature to have. So for game on spotlight next week, we'll do the Donkey King high scores. 
And then I thought we could also maybe have people go through this disc image on Facebook and then pick your favorite Prokursky game, and we can kind of discuss that as well. And that's the end of Game On. Okay. Game Off. And I'm going to share system sound again, and we're going to um, thank you for... Doesn't they got elevator music? Doesn't appear anyway. I'm not sure if it came through the stream, but okay. I want to. This is your announcer, producer, and our two host, Rob Inman. I want to thank my co-host, our one Nick Maroda. Thank you, Nick. You. Thank you very much. Our three host, Curtis Boyle, L. Curtis Boyle. If you're nasty. Yeah, I'm not sure if it was really an hour three host or just doing my regular segments, but sure. See, I mean, you didn't even know you were doing extra work for the same amount of pay. Well, uh, he doesn't even know he, he, he's not getting paid. Yes, I want to thank... awkwardness, I will thank our Hour 2 host and uh, man manning the technical, Mr. Rob Inman. Thank you, you're too kind. Great job. <laughs> you're too kind. I want to thank Bill Noble. I want to thank uh, yeah. David O'Connor, Mikey, Michael Furman, yes. Mark D. Overholzer. I want to thank uh, J- John Strong, who was on earlier, as well as Nicholas Morentes. In the live chat, we had a lot going on. We had Mr. Ben Drakes, Mark D. Overholzer. Uh, we had uh, Fred Dufas posting links, and we had... So much going on. Dave and Sharon, Mr. Uh, 6809 Dave from Discord and his uh, great idea to do the uh, the Game On segment. Uh, Curtis Boyle. Uh, Al Hartman from Jersey was here. John Laurie, how you doing? Uh, we had Paul Fiscarelli. Yo, Paul. Uh, Nick Marota, Nick Marota, Nick Marota. Al Hartman, Retro Innovations had a had a nice troll. Jim Braid, what did he say? Uh, Jim Braid said something about the six five zero two would dissipate any offending fart smells. <laughs> um, and I responded, I think six five zero twos just give off a fart smell naturally. <laughs> as long as they don't let the green smoke out. Matchy was here. Oh, Miss Matchy. Matchy was here. Mike, Mikey, Mikey, and Tim Franklin, of course. Who could forget Tim? Uh, so much going on in the live chat. Apologies to anyone that I forgot to mention. Terry Steen in the live chat. David Ladd. David Ladd was here. And what about that guy, Stevie something or other from Hamcation? Uh, he looked very familiar, as well as Jason the Coco Man Reichert and Ken Reichert uh, as Samuel Gimes with his new Coco Thoughts. There was so much going on. But wait, there's more. Stay tuned. Yes, there is. I've got something to add, too. So, well, uh, why don't, do you want to add that on the Coco Caboose? Because that's the post-show. Stay tuned, Everybody, for the post-show, Coco Caboose with Nick Morentes, Al Curtis Boyle, and the rest of the panel, we'll be talking about what we just talked about and more. 
so what did you just talk about? Yes, you missed another three hours of hours. I forgot. That's right. <laughs> All right. Well, let's uh, let's see the let's roll the credits and we'll uh, see you on the other side. This concludes this concludes another episode of Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to cocotalk at cocotalk.live. Coco Talk is rocking the 8-bit world, keeping the Tandy flame alive. We may be mocked, but we'll never stop Cause Coco Talk is rocking the A-Bit World Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com If you'd like to become a patron of the show, click the Patreon link at our website at cocotalk.live Coco Talk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, and contributors. Thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Overholzer, Grant Leedy, Bruce Moore, Nick Marenkis, Ron Delvaux, Rick Adams, Jason Riker, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Tom C., Rob Inman, Mark Bosley, Brian Joyce, Ken Riker, David O'Connor, Brian Weasler, Terry Stegney, Nick Morota, John Strong, and many more, especially to Steve Bjork for production suggestions and James Diffendaffer for making my head explode. help support the Coco community by visiting some of its various contributors. A list of resources is available at imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-N-U-T dot com. The Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. Mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. Welcome, welcome to the Coco Caboose, the post-show wrap-up show, where we talk about what we talked about and more. And uh, part of part of this came about um, a few times ago when I was guest hosting. I found that uh, um, when we actually hit the button, Frank, uh, that's when some of the real—that's when everyone let their hair down and, and Curtis let his mullet down, and we started re- <laughs> we started. And- uh, really opening up and talking about a lot of things, and 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 so let's keep the camera kind of running and see where it goes. Uh, the Coco Talk that you know that you've been watching for three and a half hours has ended. This is the recap show, and with that, I will uh, turn over to Curtis Boyle, who had some uh, final thoughts around uh, or additional thoughts around Game On. Curtis, well, yes. I'll tell you why you're wrong. But, but first, to make the show last the full six to eight hours it needs, I'm going to do a dramatic reading of the entire OS9 Level 2 manual. you got the music playing on the speech sound back in the background for the dramatized effect. It's got to be played with the sound and speech tag. Yeah.
sound like a download. <laughs> anyway, while, while the closing credits were running, I saw a notice from Rick Adams on Discord. And he just said, for Lark, I just added use of the boomerang LED, which we discussed earlier. I was going to use, we're going to be using Nitrous 9, to Temple of Rom 2 today. And so I kind of asked him, I said, well, what does it do in Temple of Rom 2? And he just answered me back. He said, it briefly flashes white when you shoot the laser. I'm not sure what other sorts of things I might do. So I was wondering if there's any suggestions from the panel here. Uh, if you have a boomerang E2 board, which has the LED, which you can change colors and make it pulse or light up or whatever, what kind of things do you think he could add to using that? in Temple of Rom 2. How about a proximity detector? Uh, flashing red when you die. So proximity detector, Mikey, do you mean like as something gets closer to you, it starts flashing faster or something yeah. like that? Or? Yeah. Oh, that, yeah, that's a good idea. Flashing red faster. That would make sense, too, because when you're running towards a wall and you're way on the side of the screen, you have almost no warning if you're about to run into something. So having something yep. flash... Mm-hmm. It won't tell you if it's above you or right beside you or right. below, but if it's getting close. That's not a bad idea. Any other suggestions? Uh, Bill, Bill, what was yours? Sorry, I missed that. Oh, when when you actually die in the game, you actually it flashes red of some sort. Okay. Well, it'll live the inside of the computer. <laughs> I, mean, I thought that was interesting. Now for my dramatic reading. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> you hear the fart sounds? I got the speech sound hack. Oh, there goes the fart detector. <laughs> anyway, I, I, like, I like the idea of the game on a spotlight segment where we actually pick a game and then everybody can play it and, and see how they do on it type thing. Yeah. Um, one thing I would like to do, is like we're kind of joking about it before, but let's say if somebody only has a Black Beauty joystick because they just finally picked up a Coco 2 in a grad sale or you know online or something, maybe we should have them mention that when they do their post scores because that's a level of challenge way above and beyond using a deluxe or any of the modern joysticks on most games. I mean, some games you kind of require like double back, but yeah, I, I think that would be, be like a special mention if somebody you know. If somebody wins Pop Star Pilot on a Black Beauty, I would be impressed. I've never been able to do it. <laughs> I've gone up to level three with a Black Beauty, but that was hard. Yeah, I, I think it's a pretty good idea because I personally have not played most of the games. So, you know, I can participate along with you guys every week. It'll kind of make it more fun. Yeah. Well, and one other thing I'd like to do... There, oh, go, ahead. go ahead, David. <laughs> Yeah, I was just going to say I'm in the same boat, Mikey. I've, a lot of games, some of the games I have played, but I wasn't really a gamer much in my in, yeah, in the Yeah, me days. either. So, yeah, so a lot of these are brand new to me. Mm-hmm. Because another thing I'd like to do when we do the follow up, like the next week when everybody's played Donkey King, I would like people to actually give you know some strategies and what what works for them or quirks of the game they discover type thing. Kind of a discussion about the game itself. I think would be a good idea too, like that super jump I mentioned for Donkey King. Mm-hmm. Let's all be quiet now. Now, had um, Rob said that we're stopping the recording, then yeah, everyone would be talking now. (laughs) Yeah, everyone would be going nuts. (laughs) Talking about politicians and all sorts of other Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, this is uh, thrilling. I'm, I'm just going to mention, too, that suggestion of using uh, the light as a proximity detector uh, for Temple of Rome 2. I'm actually going to suggest that to Rick on Discord. So you guys go ahead and chat while I type that in. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
<laughs> yeah. So you know, another but, thing is, oh, go ahead, Mikey. I was just going to say, that's just the idea. He can pick the details of what color, how to implement it. I, you know, that, that's up to him. That's just, uh, you know, that, just giving out the idea. Is there a timer in that game? I mean, I haven't played that game in, in ages. Temple of Rom? No. Yeah. Oh, okay. You just keep going, going you, until you die. It could start glowing when your time is mm. running low. Oh, well. well. That's out. <laughs> you can even have it do the proximity detector and even have it different colors depending on the monster, like if it's the bat or whatever that thing's called that, you know, comes swarms and tries to kill you type thing, or if it's the spiders or certain monsters could get special treatment with, you know, red alert for something that's really bad versus a, you know, blue alert for something that's not quite as bad. How how do you die? Do you have like a a health level or? Is it number of men? I can't remember now. Yeah, I think it's like three, three lives. Three three men. Oh, okay. Talking of the, uh, the the dual color or multicolor LEDs, is the I know I think I've probably asked this before too, but is the documentation of what the actual Pokemans are the addresses to to yes. uh, to poke to- Yes. Oh, okay. Yeah, there there's three different colors of two different intensities each. Okay, so where do I go to find these uh, the, the documentation? Do you, do you have an E two board? Because I thought Richard actually sent that out to everybody who that bought one. Uh, yeah, I do. Um, but I don't know. I don't. Really it, it wasn't in printed documentation. I think he emailed it afterwards. So maybe just you yeah. can just fire oh. him an email. And he can send you the doc too. Oh, okay. Oh, maybe I'll just go through. It's probably in my emails, and I just haven't seen it. Actually, Hello. as a matter of fact, I got to find it again too because I I remember reading that document, but I can't find I it. I might again. even still have it. Maybe I can post it in the chat or something. I still have it here. Oh, oh. You know, that's going to be a really useful feature for my hardware step sequences for the synthesizers. Actually, it'll actually serve a practical purpose. And the panel is off and rolling. Yeah, I just found it. So do you guys want me to post the... um, Where should I post this? Oh, um, can you put, um, it's, a, it's a pretty long message, so I don't want to post it in the chat here per se, but no. maybe on Discord um, or something. Probably Discord in the uh, is in it the PDF or is it a? It's actually just so a you're... chunk of stuff from an uh, a uh, email. So you're, you're talking. This is the documentation you're talking about for the LEDs. Yeah. 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 Okay. So Discord in the hardware channel, maybe. Um. There's yeah. actually a boomerang channel. Oh, is there a boomerang YouTube channel? There is. Oh, okay. There's oh, two damn many channels. There's actually one that I put in there mm-hmm. and, and pinned it. So you might check first to see if it's similar. Jump to the boomerang and then check the pins. I'm actually doing everything on my phone at the moment, so I don't have my PC turned on. So I'm, uh, if I close down Zoom to do something else, it's going to act like a um, Windows 3.1 and not OS 9. and It won't multitask properly. Ah, you're right, Mark. You do have it pinned, the actual message from from Richard on how to program the LED, yeah, amongst Sam. other things. So yeah, I won't bother reposting it. It's in there already. In the oh, Boomerang okay. channel on Discord. Okay, and pinned to the top, yeah? Yep. Yep. Makes it easy. Uh, from 4th of June, 2019. Cool. Oh, yeah, it is there. Yep. He's even got how to force it into 512K mode through software, too. If I you thought it was all, all relevant, so I posted it and pinned it. All the time. <laughs> yeah, sorry, but if it looks relevant, you know, I like to pin it so you can find it later. It's easier than trying to search. 
Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Anyway, yes, all the information you need is on Discord. So if you're not on Discord already, people join in. There's a ton of ton of channels on various topics, hardware, software, opinion pieces, stuff, um, information on, on general things. And uh, a lot of good technically minded people. If you have any questions for programming or setting up a game or how to play a game or anything else, there's just a ton of people you can, you can draw knowledge from sometimes. Well, even me. I, shall, I shall go and check out that pin now. That's uh, useful to know. And yeah, like, like you said, Curtis, I've probably got the, the emails probably in my inbox. So it, if it's in discord, it's probably just easier just to find it on there. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah. Oh, I've had the document before too, but I just can't find it now. Yeah, yes, I found yeah. mine, but it's still in my email. But if it's on Discord, that's that's easier for everybody to get to. I think. Mm. Cool. Well, I'm going for breakfast. Uh, I'm going to go get some sleep soon. <laughs> well, I did want to just mention that one of the things by formalizing the the recap show and the post show is that um, we can also move on quicker from segments and just. No, people know that they'll have a chance to to get their additional thoughts across in the post show. So if David Ladd has more grease weasel and floppy stuff, to continue on this show and then we can all leave. <laughs> you can talk yeah. to yourself. I like it. And we used to have a, 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 wrap, a wrap up show. It was just called like final thoughts and it would just kind of drag on. So now people have a hard stop. They know, okay, the show's over. This is the uh, recap show where we kind of cover anything that we didn't get to cover, or additional thoughts, or we could we can talk about uh, you know all our thoughts around around Drivewire, or we might have additional questions about Curtis's interview with Bill Noble. Um, <laughs> and it drags on just as much as the previous version of the segment did. So that's, that's, yes, that's, it has uh, a name like now. tradition. <laughs> well, I could talk about Nitrous Nine all day. Well, there you go. I could too. And I'm sure David and I can talk about DriveWire and floppies all day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we can DriveWire is working in Nitrous 9, and then all of us are going to have a, like a seven-hour show on it mm. just for Stevie. I actually like to bring Coconut into this too because that's actually not a bad protocol either. Mm-hmm. Is Roger still supporting that one? Roger's not supporting it because uh, apparently there's something involved with Tim Franklin there that Tim still owns some rights to that. So I don't know what's going on there. Ah, okay. Now you're getting the behind the scenes stuff, folks. <laughs> well, I'm out of here. I'm going to go have my Vegemite. <laughs> Vegemite sandwich. Mm. All right. Vegemite on toast. Yeah. <laughs> I'll see you later. It was a uh, how, how many hours? That was almost four hours. Three and a half. Three and a half was it? Okay. No, three and mm-hmm. almost ten minutes till four hours. Hey, Mikey, uh, Mr. Day sixty eight oh nine was out. See you later. An in key for Python. Yeah, I I responded to that. Oh, you did. Okay, excellent. That's all. That's all there. If you scroll back. <laughs> okay, gotcha. I actually saw that. Excellent. Thank you. Yeah, Tim Franklin says, "I heard my name." <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised David Ladd hasn't come back in hearing his hearing his talk about floppies. <laughs> no, uh, Bill, I also want to double check with you. Are, are, is is my Coco ready enough to come pick up this evening? Oh yeah, she's did, all clean and brand new and ready to go. Did you have any luck with that LED thing? Uh, not today, but uh, like I said to you in the last message, uh, we can. 
I can do a dat swap because we got the exact same dat board. So, okay, yeah, if you if you want to do that, because I might fiddle with that if I get some time and you know, kind of get those two keyboard mouse lock get, and, and caps lock like working. Yeah, because I, I told you I had to order it. those opposite LEDs from what I had. So, okay. Bill, do you have an update on um, your boot, uh, your graphical boot editor? Uh, I do have a kind of brief one because I actually have now uh, an actual control layout that will be implemented into the actual operating system for Cowin. Okay. To expand MultiView. And hopefully... I can actually get it going. It's still kind of in development stages yet. And describe what the um, what the original intent was for your um, basically editor. when a user clicks into the user area of a multi-view window, which is where your content area is, it will actually check to see if it's an actual user control, which could be a combo box, a button, or a list view, or kind of control. And I have a structure laid out. I'm just seeing if it's going to be feasible. So what does that have to do with the actual boot editor? Uh, It's actually for the actual selection of whether you're using a 6309, whether you're using a SDC controller, whether you're using RS-232 pack. Yeah, it's part, part of the interface design to make it easier rather than have to do all that stuff manually. Oh. So you'd so be able to access it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. No, that, so yeah, that's that's just the, just the development to back the GUI for it, essentially. Yeah, mm-hmm. it, it's a full GUI. Controlled program. Okay. Hearing you guys talk earlier on about OS nine, it's I really wonder what would have happened if Tandy did keep the uh, the Coco line going and uh, and things got serious with it and some serious development happened. I wonder wonder if it would have turned the tables on Microsoft. Well, I think they the problem for Tandy is they were promoting all their much more expensive computers as for the business line. Well, so, that's exactly yeah. what happened. Oh, yeah, I know. I'm yeah. just saying if, if they didn't do that and then they kept pushing the cocoa line, just that, uh, yeah. But just, how I'm could just, they resist? How could they Steve, resist the PC yeah. market? Yep, you know, Steve with, with, uh, after, after the first couple of years, you know, started getting clones and everything started taking off. You know, how could Tandy <clears throat> resist the dollar signs that they were seeing for that? And that's Even the direction the that they went. Even the yeah. Model 4, they were making a killing on that Model 4, selling it for so long. You know, Tandy 2000, Tandy 1000, etc. Steve, yeah, you that, have the Tandy 1000 line is the first line that they sold that actually outsold the Coco eventually, like by 84, yeah. 86. So. Yeah, well, that's what they started pushing after the Coco 3. Yeah. Right. Steve, Although, you you, what, you're, what you're asking is basically if <laughs> IBM didn't release the PC... Then, <laughs> then maybe the Coco would have been the king. Who knows, right? Or maybe it would I'm be gonna, Commodore. I'm going to pass the stick to Marco. Okay, Marco, <laughs> take the Steve, Steve Bjork had mentioned before that shelf space mm-hmm. is a premium in any Radio Shack, of course. 
and that a game that sells for the Coco versus a game that sells for the PC, the PC game literally sells for more. There's more money involved. And of course, there's a lot larger market. And so which ones are going to favor? The ones where they sell a lot of them and make a lot of money. They yeah. I mean, talk, talking about the Coco versus the Tandy 1000 line is, is a bit of a misnomer because that you're, you're picturing it, you know, as competing lines within Tandy, like, you know, versus a model three, four versus the Tandy 1000. But in the case of the Tandy 1000 being a PC compatible, you're not just competing with stuff within Radio Shack. You're competing against Compaq and Dell and everybody else that made PC clones too. As Mark yeah. said, you're selling games that will work on all of these. You can pull off the shelf. Are you going to sell for the one where you can sell it for computers you don't even sell in your own store? So you can sell that software 10 times over? Or would you go for the Cocoa holding up the shelf space? And mm-hmm. there's just no way they would have picked the Cocoa above that. Yeah. yeah. It's, just, uh, it's really, really cool, though, seeing what haven't actually yeah, well, set aside the time to do it yet. So I should do it. The uh, Of course, the customer was the Radio Shack stores, not actual customers. So Tandy was selling to Radio Shack stores. And what they wanted is what they got. Um, but yeah, I hope you will start to try out ease of use, David. Um, I do want to point out that the commercial that I did run, um, since I've been liberal with my use of, of accelerated video in some past commercials, I do want to point out that the just hit clear commercial, um, all the ease of use videos in that commercial are actual speed. Yeah. Okay. And that's before the gimme X uh, speed increase coming out soon. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I'm going to, I'm, give it I'm, a searching try. Through, I'm searching through all my tickets now to see if I can find those expo tickets. Cause I, um, I've got the, I've still definitely got the expo book and I'm pretty sure I put the ticket in the book. Yeah. If I remember it was, it was kind of a yellowish background or something. Yeah. Didn't it, it had some silver or something on it too, didn't it? Or was it, I, I can't remember. It's been a while since I might I still have a sample here. Cause I think I kept that it was the first world expo we ever did. Yeah. That's that. When you mentioned that, it's like, oh, I was there. I got one of those tickets, and I'm in Australia. <laughs> I was like, "Yeah, that's, that blew my mind." I just printed on a Coco Three. I was like, "Wow!" <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, that impressed me. Did you do any other World Expos? No, no, just no, just, no Curtis, just 1988. Yeah, I'm oh. trying to remember. I'm, I'd have to, have to go through a list of where the World Expos were to remember. You said that that eighty eight one was the first one, right? Yeah, first one we did. Yeah. Uh, okay, then. The like, there was an expo was... in Vancouver in eighty six that we. I didn't went to do. Vancouver. Yeah, no, that was with my parents. That was even before I got in the industry. So, if one of the companies I did work for did do it for that, based on something else, I wouldn't have known. What's that, puss? You want to join the panel? Do you? <laughs> oh no. <laughs> It's Coco Cat number two. <laughs> or three, because Mark's got one too. <laughs> yep. Coco Cats are popular. Nick <laughs> Marot, are you still around? I was well. Oh, you are? Yep. Um, um, one thing I was wondering, I just kind of thought about it for the game on Spotlight segment. Um, do we want to have any live video of people playing the game either as not part of the actual show, but we just do it as an extra stream or a stream on Discord or something like that. Sure. So it can be recorded. That'd be awesome. Or do we want to do a Especially quick live put... play during the actual segment itself where you demonstrate yeah, the game? like do more of a split off. So this okay. idea is only been about 50% conceived at this point. <laughs> so yeah, I'm, I'm all for, I, I don't know what we want to do next week. That sounds, I could, I could 
play the game a little bit through ESPT, or we could have. Um, is there a way we could have people submit video of themselves playing? They, like I don't they know. can do it on on YouTube and submit the the, the, the links. For that. Yeah. I'll create a high score um, I mean, or, cool or Twitch or something like that too. Yeah. Even Facebook. A little montage of people playing. It's all dependent on what. Yeah, I mean, it's ideas and development. So, yeah, the more interactive and fun we can make it, the better. Well, I mean, sometimes there'll be a week where somebody just doesn't have time to play, and then they can, at least if they haven't seen the game before, they can at least see some video of what the gameplay actually looks like rather than just screenshots on my site or whatever. Mm -hmm. I'm just about to say, I'm struggling to find time to do everything. (laughs) I'll record some some gameplay of, of what I. You don't want me. Rage Quit City. We're going to have a competition between Mikey and Stevie and Stevie's daughter, Megan, as to who Rage Quits first on each game each week. (laughs) (laughs) More likely to to, to, uh, to be good at. (laughs) I think think they'll win the contest. The Rage Quit first or the Rage Quit after you? I don't know what you mean by win. No, they'll have better Uh, Rage Quits than mine. Mine Stevie will quit first, then Megan. (laughs) Yeah. The thing I'm not oh. sure of, I had a bit of, I had a conversation with this already with uh, Rob, was um, concerned about like the, the Bjork games, just because. Oh, well, we are so still against. live. I mean, I, I do want to mention. I, I want to jump in just because we are live on the internet. Well, yeah. Um, that in general, yes. we, I mean, it not specific to any particular developer. I, I think that the way that you put it, the the games that we talk about are available wherever they're available, and you leave it at that. Um, yep. But if we do any of, uh, we know uh, Steve Bjork has some particular asks around that. And so if we do a Steve Bjork game, uh, we'll just clear it with him and just make sure that we have our, our facts and our, our talking points in order before we go live. Um, but I think, you know, he's very clear about not sharing links to where his games are located. Um, a lot of people do have the original. Um, I was just going to mention that because I've got, I've got a ton of originals from Steve here, both yes. Andy and his third party stuff. So. And we know, as yes. I mentioned, I said this on Facebook and other places, there's nowhere to buy brand new copies of uh, any of the Radio Shack games, right? Including the ones that were released nope. by Steve York. So everybody does the best that they can. Um, we just don't want to share links to any of that, you know, on the on the site. So I think just, you know, yeah, even to if people want to... Yeah, the usual places. And if people uh, need some private um, assistance with that, you know, people are will do whatever they're going to do and and we just kind of stay stay out of that you know yeah. where and we're actually telling people where to go one other thing i'll mention um we talked about before you know maybe people should mention the specs that they played it under like what type of a joystick did they use in case somebody you know like i said just bought one off ebay with the black beauty and that's all they got we should take into consideration you know that's definitely more limiting um but for some of the games that have had you know six through nine optimizations the ones i did or the original super pitfall speaking of a steve york game that uh, john optimized maybe we should mention those too if if we get a game that is appropriate for that sure or even uh, six out of nine optimizations like nick you played some of the games i've optimized those. for the six eight oh nine like xenion and stuff that are faster they're faster version now yeah. than there was originally so we mentioned you know, if there's several versions of the game available, we should mention them all, and then people who have the appropriate hardware or download the appropriate versions can at least try them both, and then maybe mention. You know, I played a lot better on the sped up version, or I played a lot better on the slow version, or whatever. Yes. Do we want to mix? This? Do we want to allow alternate versions in? 
if, if, if they're just it. straight optimizations like that, just to speed the game code up, like not to cheat, I think they would be fine. Uh, if you're doing it to cheat, like, you know, I'm disabling being able to die or I'm giving myself <laughs> 255 men, then no. <laughs> what was that poker game, Curtis? <laughs> Depends on which game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know what? You if, you che- if you want to cheat to get bragging rights, then you've got bigger problems no. than... Uh... No, 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 definitely not. That's not me. <laughs> well, no, the thing is, if we do, no, if we do the video recordings... If we do the yeah, video recordings yeah, no, of no. people playing the games and they send them to us, I mean, yeah, if somebody did do on. a cheat poke just to show you every level that nobody else can get to, that might be worth it. Not not that they'll win this quote unquote contest, but you know, here's all fifty screens of Cash Man or something like that. Yeah, good point. It, it might be worthwhile yeah. well to do it for something like that, just to show like here's a we cheat to do yeah. it, but here's some of the levels you probably have not seen. Yeah, that's a good idea, actually. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I think you should, should list, you know, anything that you're using. What If you're using a VCC, you could have it accelerated to 25 megahertz or something. You know, you could be – so I think, you know, what whatever your setup is or if you're using a Sega Genesis, I think it's just kind of appropriate to just list what you used. But yeah. as long as you're not trying to cheat, then it's fine. Yeah. If you're going to do a, one where you did do a cheat use... poke to, to try to show levels – above and beyond what most people would be able to play to you. You just mentioned up front, this is not entered into the contest in any way. This is just to try to show you, here's mm-hmm. what here's what the uh, pie factory looks like in Donkey King, because that's pretty hard to get to, honestly. Or what I could say is the matchbox at 7 megahertz in most <laughs> games. Yeah, or like, you know, David Philipson might do the Coco V FPGA at 25 megahertz or something. Yeah, too, at so. 25. Yeah, exactly. That's another one. Yeah. But by the way, home pub, home publisher really flies at 25 megahertz. <laughs> <laughs> it's actually usable. So does color, so does color scripts it. <laughs> well. It's like 25 times yeah, as hard. I can't wait, I can't wait for scripts it week. <laughs> that'll be, that'll be, that'll be soon. That. Hey, we, we might we might do the math tutor. So for the for the uh, for the color one, you'll have to use a, 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 a two megabyte Coco three, and you've got to try and fill up all the two megabytes with with, with text without any spelling right. errors. Oh, there you go. In a certain amount of time. I think we should do educational games, though. Um, you know, <laughs> particularly like something like I had Fraction Fever as a kid, and that that was in a pretty good game. Well, even some of the Sierra Coco 1 and 2 games, like, uh, you know, Winnie the Pooh, 100 Acre Wood and all that stuff, those were meant as educational games. So, yeah, that would be... Just because you're learning something doesn't mean the game's bad. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Stevie's not going to play it, but... No, he doesn't no anything, learn it. anything require more than single-digit edition, there's no way he'd go. No. Oh. <laughs> I was just going to say you've done it now, Curtis, because I'm trying to tip. I'm tipping my house upside down trying to find this uh, <laughs> expo ticket. But what I did find when I'm tipping all my stuff upside down is my sixty thousand milliwatt laser, a big one. And I'm going to try controlling off one of my cocos. It can melt bricks. Huh. Ben, yeah. ben Jake's uh, comment. He's talking about uh, funny that it's uh, we're talking about Donkey King because Donkey Kong was the game where the guy I forget the guy's name but Billy he Mitchell. won the world record and did it uh, on an emulator and yeah you know, didn't disclose it yeah it's Billy so Mitchell you can't use memes yeah 
Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we have to allow emulators because I mean, not everybody has the hardware. They probably hardware. Like if if they, you know a we six through nine game comes along, like Spider Hyper, you need a six through nine to play that. Yeah. Um, you might need you know more RAM than somebody has. Somebody has a one twenty eight K Coco three or a sixteen K Coco one, and they can't play the other stuff. Exactly. So yeah, it's just for, yeah, yeah. as long as it's mentioned, I think it's okay. If, if we were giving away well, a prize like a like a new Coco or something, maybe this, maybe we, it has to be separated between sixty three oh nine and sixty eight oh nine, just for. Print games have both versions. That's what I was asking before about yeah. the ones that I've you know patched and optimized. I don't I don't add cheats. I just optimize it to, to run smoother, faster. And I usually pick games that are running kind of slow to begin with. Like I did, I did a patch to Ken Kalish's Dungeon Raid uh, to run in six or nine native mode with TFMs, and it was way too fast to play. It was useless. Oh, so you I, so if I you did color car, for example, we could have separate scores for three hundred nine optimized, three hundred nine optimized, and stock. We we could. I just don't know. Is there much of advantage to the game play in those cases, or does it just, just, just play so. better because it's smoother? Yeah, I'll let you guys judge that. Difference. Well, plus, plus you're assuming oh. that thirty five people are gonna are gonna you know do it. I think we'll only have you know four or five people a week. Yeah, I know. Yeah, good point. I'm uh, gonna have to get going, guys, because it's I really I'm absolutely exhausted. It's nine thirty seven a.m. here, and I've been awake all night and all day and all night. And- <laughs> yeah, I like think I should go on myself. So yeah. David O'Connor has reached the end of the line. <laughs> yep. Hey. So my, pus- my pussy cat has decided he wants some attention too. He's- yeah, you think you're pussy. sleeping? Ha-ha, yeah, human. forget those guys. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's about right. Yeah, too. <laughs> clear your agenda with your cat first. Yep. No, I got to got to sort him out. <laughs> Anything oh, we should know about for next week, other than the the game contest for Mr. King, or do we have any Valentine's Day um, things going on, or uh, or con- different conventions, or I guess we can talk about it on Discord. Anything well, that you know of? Bef- before any of that comes up, I'm just going to uh, part ways, guys, and I'll uh, see, see you, you on see you on Discord, and uh, hopefully, and uh, on the panel next week. All goes according to plan. And David, I'll, I'm going to quiz you on today's show. Where do you go to download Ease of Use? Um, don't, don't help them. <laughs> no. I'm joking. <laughs> Actually, you can find it on Google if you if you put in Curtis's name as well. But it's lcurtisboyle.com. Yep. It's also available in the archive, too. Oh, okay. They usually get it a couple days after the, yeah. the official release. So if you yeah, search okay. for L. Curtis Boyle and EOU, you will find it. Yep, cool, cool. All right, I shall do that this week. I really will, actually. I really, I, I actually, this has really inspired me, this, this uh, chat we've been having today. Yeah, and as Nick Randys would say, you know, if you are having trouble getting to sleep, if you download that and just fiddle with OS9 for, you know, a couple of minutes, <laughs> you should fall asleep just instantly, uh, so you'll be fine. Yeah. Well, I won't have well, any troubles might. falling asleep. I've got narcolepsy. <laughs> uh, you might get addicted. <laughs> <laughs> I can fall asleep at the drop of a hat, literally. With the big yellow hat that Stevie's wearing. If he dropped that, I'd definitely fall asleep. Wow. <laughs> That's quite the hat. That's quite the chapeau. Yeah. <laughs> anyway, I'm going to log right, off, guys. too. I'm going to grab something to eat quick, and then i got to head over to Bill's place, which is about an hour drive, to pick up my fixed Coco 3. So. Nice. Yeah. 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 I can finally yeah, start I'm testing stuff too. again. All right. Okay. I'll well, thank you. Later, thank you for joining us for the Coco Canoes wrap-up show. Nick Marotta, final words. 
Um, no, no, this was this is great. Play Donkey great King. Show. Yeah, I'm gonna <laughs> prompt you. Play Donkey King. Not for in the practice king. mode. Buzzard for bite. the king, Buzzard not bite. practice mode. That's <laughs> great. All right. Play Donkey so King. We'll see you next Saturday, everyone. We're going to hit the button. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. Bye.